One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. And here for the final time in 2021, Boxhead, and we're finally back together of all shows. The last show. The last show we're back. Freedom. Back, to, back together, mate. Suppose it's freedom day, mate. We get a little bit of freedom. We can meet up and do a podcast We can be together. at each other's house, mate. So I'm back in your house. We're socially distanced, mate. Unfortunately for you, they've let me back in. I'm like rust. I just get in everywhere, mate. I'm back. Oh, it's near. Annoying your nice kids. Nice to have some adult conversation around the dinner table. I don't know if I can be considered <clears> much <throat> of an adult, but <laughs> it's good to be back, mate. It's good to see you. But uh, for everybody out there, most people know how this works. Our last episode is our award show, The Fifths. We name our own team of the year. We don't follow the Dallium rules. We we certainly fucking don't follow nah, the Dallium rules. We, we encompass. We encompass the, the, <laughs> it's fucking terrible. We encompass the whole season. We include the final series. We look somewhat at your rep football side of things, but it's the overall performance. So, for example, you could have a lot of conjecture about positional positions. There'll be none of that here for us. Um, we also don't just pick people because they scored the most tries and other bits and pieces. It'll go down to a lot more than uh, just some basic statistic columns and probably other thing as well as like your overall award. So I think our player of the year is pretty much clear cut to me between two players. But I think you can have an argument either way for those two players. I think you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. It would be Turbo and Nathan Cleary. Dalian voting system, regular season. You'd say obviously... Trebojevic's impact in his 15 games, the points he racked up in the team he did, but there's an argument for Nathan Cleary in the way that we look at things in company the whole season because up until the point of his shoulder surgery, he was the most dominant player in the competition. He came back, he was good for Penrith, and you essentially would agree that his boot is the reason they hold the Premiership trophy yeah, up. Yeah, so got Churchill, yeah. If you can encompass <clears throat> that side of things, because I know straight away there's going to be people out there when they hear it going, Whoa, you didn't pick him or you didn't pick him. Like, you... You know, yeah, be offended, but just do it quietly. It goes both ways. You got to take everything into account. You're not going to agree with everything because everyone's allowed to have an opinion. That's right. And the other thing as well, we do is we pick a bench, and it can be made up of whoever we want. It doesn't have to be position specific. Generally, you have guys in certain positions who obviously miss out um, that you can squeeze on your bench that way. To bit of an honourable mention for the fact they didn't make it to the one to thirteen. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's basically how that works. We've also got some other awards in there. Uh, we've trimmed it down over the years. It was a huge list. Didn't trim many more off this year. There's probably a few in time, though, as we gradually go, that yeah. will be taken away. And the last thing we'll do is just run through a bit of news because it's been a week. Uh, there's been a fair bit happening. Yeah, it's been, well, it's been a little bit more than a week. So, yeah. Mm. It's, it's been some signings, some moves. We got oh, some... No, it's been a week. Did we do Monday last week? Maybe because Monday felt like a. Um, Monday last week felt like a Sunday because we. Uh, yeah. Because we have the public holiday, so... Long turnaround. Yeah, it has been a week. But, uh, yeah, a fair bit of news. Like we said, signings, on-field, off-field, 17th teams, all sorts of stuff's been happening. So, uh, a bit of a wrap-up of some of what's been going on in the madness after the season ended. But, for now, let's jump straight into it, shall we, Boxhead, with uh, our awards for this season. And uh, we'll do our team of the year last. Let's start off going through some of the categories we have. So, rep player of the year. Again, I think this one was... One, you could toss a coin between two players. It would be Tom Trebojevic or Latrell Mitchell for what they did in Origin. Rep player? Mm. Yeah, I went Turbo. Yeah. Uh, overall, I think it was very, very close. I think Latrell was as impactful, but Turbo, again, um, playing in the centres in the Sky Blue jersey, outstanding. 
very, very well played. It was, yeah, it was, his be- it was his best overall series. I think he's had some standout one-game performances, but across mm. the whole series, he certainly hasn't been that dominant. And that probably just projected across to his whole NRL season. He was outstanding. And it's the first time we've seen... Again, we've seen glimpses in games, but... Yeah. Um, and again... This year we saw... Aside from obviously missing the start of the season, we saw a, a really good breadth of um, performance and a consistency in it. Yeah, I think Latrell again very close in his performances for Origin. He was outstanding. Teddy, uh, particularly, I think it was the second game from memory, was outstanding. But yeah, Turbo takes that one in what was a very impressive series by the New South Wales team. Disappointing they didn't get the clean sweep. But Tom Trevojevic, rep player of the year, your most improved player. Um, I had Drew Hutchison from the Roosters. I think he's um, this year. I, I can't believe. I thought it was staggering how much he improved this year. To the point where I, you know, I thought he was he was a real linchpin, and I'm not sure how many years he's got left on contract at the Roosters, but he's certainly great depth for the Roosters. But he, uh, his performances this year, I think he could slot into and take spots and replace players who, at the start of this year, I would never have thought that he would have been able to replace. Mm. Thought he was he's excellent. His kicking game, his defence, his short passing game. I uh, was really impressed with his his season. Mine, I had a few here for all different reasons, but the one that really stood out for me in a team that I thought was up and down like a fiddler's elbow was Will Kennedy. Yeah, and Will Kennedy yeah. to me, and I said this to a guy at work today who was an offended Parramatta fan, was telling me that Gutherson was worth a million dollars. I told him he was dreaming. Yeah, he's not. And he said, tell me five better fullbacks. And one of the names that came on my head was Will Kennedy. And he said, are you kidding? I said, do you watch football? Mm. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm not knocking <laughs> Gutherson. Gutherson, we say it all the time. Effort, fitness. Yeah, we're not saying Gutherson's On, on the ball, but you want to talk about just some of those key attributes mm. or those special talents. I think Kennedy's ball running ability, his ball playing, his kick return. Like, he was critical in so many of the Sharks games this year. And if you go back and watch some of the games, or from where he was or to what you expect of him, in terms of level of improvement, I think he was absolutely outstanding. Yeah, um, when you look at sort of the top end of the competition, obviously we've got Trebojevic. We know we've got Tedesco. Like, and again, another guy, like Ponga gets a lot of talk about it, but we still haven't really seen Ponga in a big game. Talent-wise, he's outstanding. Yeah, but in course. terms of consistency across the whole season this year, I looked at Kennedy, and when he got nominated for the Dalian fullbacks, I thought, this is one of the opposite occasions where usually you're looking at some of the nominees going, how the fuck did you come up with him? Mm. I'm like, deservedly so, nominated for Dalian fullback of the year. He's not going to win the award, yeah. but the full body of work and the improvement in all facets of Kennedy's game, outstanding. I thought he was the linchpin in everything good that was the Cronulla Sharks this season. Um, and I really look forward to watching him progress forward. And he, he's one of my favourite stories in this sense as well, that he's not one of these guys, not that he wasn't touted on the way through, but I don't think he was the one out of that, that group that they sat there and thought, yeah, he's a bonafide, sure thing, knock out of the park first grader. Yep. And you watch a little bit of Cup in his early games, and you're like, mm, is he... that bit of confidence, that physicality, does have the size, but over the 18 months or so, the improvement from where he started to where he is now, um, I think he's going to be a hell of a player for the next decade. Yeah, Massive improvement. I, like You know, you could have Rena <laughs> Smith, Isaiah Papali. Like, there's a lot of guys there, but just from name to where he got to, yeah, Will Kennedy for me was my most improved, but Rookie of the year, uh, I think your two clear-cut standouts are probably Walker and Walsh, just being in key positions. I went with Walker because he played more games. Mm, but I, but thought, I thought Walsh was probably better in 
individual games, but yeah. in terms of consistency, I thought Walker was the best. Yeah. Um, I thought also, you know, we had Dane Laurie started off really well before he busted his leg uh, at the back end of the year, and things flattened out as the year went on. But, you know, I thought in a difficult situation, he was very, very good. The two Manly boys, obviously, Schuster Olakowatu, had very, very good seasons as well. So, all around. But, yeah, uh, I'm similar to you. I think what Walker did with the injuries and what was going on around him, I know at the back end of the year, his shoulder was busted. They were sort of protecting him and getting him through, but... The sort of run he put together when he played those 10 or 12 games, he, he was really, really good. Walsh as well, but um, yeah, I've landed on Sam Walker. But really good rookie class. Lots of good rookies. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, super sub or impact player? I went um, Tommy Burgess. Tommy! I thought his impact, particularly during the finals, was outstanding. I, you know, he... He made the most metres in the grand final, I think, off the bench for the Rabbitohs and did that in a few games. And he was right back to that. Not He wasn't quite at that form of 2014 when they won the comp, but he was pretty close. He, and he didn't play then, though, did he? It was George. It was George, yeah. I don't think Tom played. Sorry, my apologies. Um, Hard, easy to mix them up, though. They are twins. Yeah. Um, he was just, yeah, he was unreal. Like, played some really, really good footy. and well, Another thing about him as well, like you were saying, right? One of the best parts... Not only the consistency in his game, the metres he gets out, he got rid of the errors. Between the three of them, when they had the clan, George, Tom, Sam, you could, if there was a market for double digits, some weeks you could probably take it. Yeah. They dropped three, four each. But Tom in particular, like George was bad for it, Tom was bad for it. I think he's really cleaned up his errors as well, mm. which is one thing that was horrendous for all Burgeye at one point in time. But he had an outstanding year. I, I agree with you there. Um I had a few names, but I landed on Harry Grant. The fact they were able to play him off the bench. He only played 15 games, but he was equal with any hooker in terms of line breaks, try assists, a lot of those categories with a lot less game time. And obviously he comes into a, a very, very handy side off the bench, but it's pretty nice to be able to bring on the Queensland hooker. Um, yeah. And, and, you know. For... I, didn't, I didn't think he had a good a year this year as he did last year. That would be my... I think injuries limited him, but like when he was going and playing, like I thought yeah, he had, he's, he's no doubt he's unreal. Yeah, and I thought some other guys, uh, you know, Tommy Starling at Canberra, handy off the bench. Walker in the final series in the back end of the year for Manly was really really good. Made an impact on some games as well, so there, there were some handy bench players there. Uh, your best coach this season? There's I had Bellamy. Yeah, he, yeah. minor premiers. <clears throat> they won nine in a row, equaled that record. Yeah, I know he was. Devastated with how they played against Penrith, and I think the the biggest rap you can give Melbourne is uh, how poorly they played and how close they were to beating Penrith. Yeah, seventeen errors, you know, yeah. multiple opportunities, and you lose Welch and Cheese early on. They lose by four. But I would like I would say during the finals, coach of the coach of the finals was Cleary, like to pick his team up. And deal with the pressure not only of, you know, having the blue and then everyone saying you got shown up by Bennett in week one, then having to go through, you know, they had the trainer issue in the um, in the second week that they sort of had to fight their way through. He had to stand down that staff member. And then in the, in the third week, it was, you know, all the chat about um, the grand final that should have been. And then the grand final was, well, you know, you're, you're Brian Smith. You're the modern day Brian Smith because you haven't won a comp. So... I really do think the pressure was right on Cleary, mm. and I, I thought he handled it very well. Probably post from when he walked out of the press conference after yeah. the third, the week one game, I thought he coached very very well, and his comments to the media were. I, I actually 
watching him coach and watching him talk in press conferences and having like no know, knowing him on a personal level not to the not to the point where we're friends but knowing him away from football and away from the cameras he was very I I felt as though he was very much out of character but very much in character for what Penrith needed which is a sign of a good coach they needed him to adapt and change and be different and I think stand up for the club, stand up for the players, stand up for what he believed in. I really didn't think he got taken to town really by Bennett. Like I think the media can spin that however they want, but um, I I thought he had some legitimate points. He just voiced his points. The error probably was that Bennett had last say, but in the end, clear he had last say, didn't he? Because he won the comp and he beat Bennett. Um, so yeah, regular season and. And as a as a season as a whole, I would say Bellamy. But during that last three weeks of the of the finals, I thought Cleary was outstanding. Yeah, well, I've gone Bellamy as well. Uh, Post Cameron Smith era, a lot said again. As much has been said every other year, are they going to fall off the perch? I thought they would be top four, possibly outside starting the year without Harry Pappenhausen. Ended up missing ten games. Harry gets injured again during the year. They had guys in and out. Huge origin representation. If you told me that group was going to win 19 games in a row, um, I just would have told you you're fucking crazy. Yeah. So on that side of things again and getting the best out of guys, you know, like Randy Smith comes down after not being really spoken about the Bulldogs, has an outstanding year. A lot of guys elevate their game. Welch elevates his game again. A lot of guys in the squad um, gets the most out of fringe guys you've never heard of. Nico Hines is... You know, been spoken about now as borderline origin player. Got picked in the New South Wales squad. Didn't get a run at Manly. Barely got his run up a couple of times at Queensland Cup. Lands in their lap, you know, three or four years removed from not being in any systems at Sunny Coast. Comes down to Melbourne. Waits for his opportunity. Gets a few tastes last year. Gets a full injection this year and look at him now. So the system just mm. keeps producing and he's, he's the steering wheel. He's the captain of the ship. Um, huge efforts though like you said there's five guys you could talk about Des Hasler's turnaround obviously Tom made a huge difference but turnaround from start of the year to the end of the year some of the changes he made in the side some personnel getting some rookies in Robinson I think as well for what he had to do with the group he had and the players he had to get to elevate was absolutely outstanding I, I think the top four coaches yeah Wayne Bennett you know, even top five I think I thought Brad Arthur did a really good job late in the year hmm probably similar deal like you said uh, for what he did for his group and probably going a bit out of character spoke a bit more Took some heat off, adapted. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ivan, like you said, outstanding comeback. Lots of injuries, get through after the, the sucker punch week one. And obviously, there's been a lot of field stuff and a lot more talk around Penrith this year because of, you know, as we all know, when you get on top, everyone loves you when they're on the rise last year. But there's a lot of hate when you find your way to the top of the pile. And they've had to deal with a fair bit of uh, chatter this year, but they yeah, got the job look, done. A lot of that they brought on themselves as well. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing. <clears throat> and Wayne Bennett, obviously, outstanding. Written off after Latrell particularly went out, uh, finds his way back to another grand final and just fell short. So all those guys were great, but both on Bellamy. Worst coach, it's not really a category I'd like to have, but, you know, without being personally in the four walls, it's it's a pretty easy choice, really. It's Trent Parrott and the Bulldogs. I know it's a heavy period of turnover, but I think probably more so for me what I said during the year, that when you go to a club and you're starting to build things and you're looking to make change, you need to be the lead voice. I think chopped and changed halves too much, too many key positional changes. Like they took Flanagan for three years. I felt 
regardless of what we do or don't know off the field, you don't make the decision if you're going to quit on him after a short period of time, knowing what you've inherited, knowing what's coming. Um, instability in that. And then the other thing for me is... Yeah, com- had a stack of injuries as well. Yeah, that too. But the comments as well after games, almost consistently week on, week out, I think at times you've got to take some accountability and not give players an out. I thought way too many times he's one of the first people to always find a reason as to why they didn't win or, you know, poor us. So not saying he can't coach, but overall, um, hard situation, sure, to go into. But on top of that, also some recruitment decisions. They paid Corey Allen well overs. They paid Nick Kotrick overs. And they've obviously made some good signings again for next year. But um, the pressure's on now. Yeah, because... I, like I'm, I'm not going to award it. <clears throat> um, but I would, yeah, I certainly don't think Trent Barrett's the worst coach in the, no. in the game. I think, yeah, I think there's worst coaches out there that I would, yeah, put under that um, header. Yeah, like I said, don't need an easy one to pick purely on a whole yeah. of season, but that's <clears> one of those ones I talk about. You got basically I could remove, but I'm not attacking coaching style. I'm just yeah, picking yeah. a few moments or a few things that, yeah. given the situation, the circumstance, like, we, we didn't expect them. To excel, but I just thought the way the whole season was handled, given the situation, there could have been some things definitely done better with where they're heading. Yeah, and the, the heat agree with that. Mm. Uh, underrated player. Most underrated player, for your opinion. It doesn't have to be most, but someone that just stands out to you that probably doesn't get the plaudits they reserve. I've got two. Underrated? I had Herbie Farnsworth. Well, that was one of the ones I had here. I think he's a very, <laughs> under, a very underrated player. Quality yeah. player. Um, they talked the other day, there were some lists of players that are off contract in line for this 7th club's going to be and he's one of the players off contract and I thought that's one of those kind of guys I think would be a really good underrated signing for a new club that you wouldn't have to break the bank but um, in the situation he's been in there for the last couple of years if you go back again and break down video and look really closely at <coughs> consistent Broncos or good Broncos players Herbie Farnworth just busts his ass every single week yep. he's a really good football player the other one I thought got a little more credit this year but I still don't think he does uh, in particular in his position I still think Jaden Braley is fairly underrated, um, given what I think he contributes to that team. I think he's a huge part of what Newcastle do, and a lot of pressure again this year with Ponga and Pierce missing. He's a key cog, and I still think again underappreciated. Yeah. So that they're two. It's one of those ones you get argued until you blow in the face, um, in, in lots of senses. But yeah, they're two that popped into my head. An overrated player. Uh overrated. Hang on a second. I had Jason Tamalolo. I just went based on salary. I could have had he, him or Fafita. Mm. I think him and Fafita were the two that I look at and go, you're on far too much money. Or Taylor. Taylor, Fafita, Tamalolo, I think are the three that I really look at and go, you're you're playing far, you're playing at a level far below your salary. Well, and that's not a personal attack because I, I don't know either of them. And I think Jason Tamalolo, when it's all said and done, will go down as one of the greatest forwards of, of this generation and rightfully so because he's had some unreal seasons but hmm. this year if I'm going to be critical he had his injuries yeah, there's something off there's something off there in North Queensland I don't know what it is I don't know whether it was just a down year and some teething problems under Peyton I don't know or whether there's something more sinister to it I'm not going to be the one to nah. throw petrol on that fire because I clearly don't know I'm just making a judgement on what I see and what I saw this year was his football wasn't quite up to where it was and the Cowboys certainly didn't get value for money. So that's that's my definition of overrated. It probably should be overpaid. I'm uh, kind of with you. I think it's a combination for him because we know he delivers. But multiple broken hands, yeah. change in minutes, position, 
type of role expectation coaches got like they had the second most injuries I think when I looked at the numbers of players used or ins and outs yeah and long-term injuries sorry when then our old physio listed that because someone goes oh we had this many injuries I'm like who's had long-term injuries they were number two on the list I'm probably not really spoken about about the length of time they had players out of their side so um, with you similar deal like for feeder I more go off abilities outstanding it's more what we spoke about during the year I want to see it against top eight teams same yeah. thing I say about Ponga and people that People get a hard on about it and go, this guy's the fucking best. This guy's so good. It's like, well, what are you doing in the games that matter? That's where you earn your money. Yeah. Like, I don't give a fuck that you scored a hat-trick against the Brisbane or you ran over Milford a couple of times or Newcastle when Newcastle had injuries and were struggling. You belted them by 40. What did you do against Melbourne, South, the Roosters, you know, Manly, Panthers? In those games, were you the best player? If I'm going to pay you that salary, if you can't deliver me a win, I need to sit there at the end and say you were one or two if I'm paying you that money. Yeah. And that's more like you're saying. It's not a personal thing. It's just purely if I'm paying that sort of money, I'm sitting there in those games going, you need to be fucking A1 or A2 yeah. for me. And the other one I had slightly there um, on and off, but more again, like pretty much a lot of people brought up the other day after the incident off the field was Munster. And I've said it for a long time. I don't think Munster's played a good finals game for the Storm or really been a driving force in any of the premierships we've won. Mm. Even the 2017 year, we had Billy back, Cameron. That He played the six, and it was a great year for him, but he's surrounded by three of the best players to ever play the game. I still don't see a signature year yet for Cameron Munster. Yes, in origin, but I'm talking in a Melbourne Storm jersey to deliver us a premiership trophy. Mm. 2018, Sinbin twice in the grand final. The premiership that came uh, against the Panthers, Smith, Pappenhausen, like plenty of other guys I thought were much more key in his run in general in the finals. I know he had an injury coming to that one. But I'm still looking at him just purely at Melbourne. Um, that yeah, I think at times gets a lot of praise. Not saying he's bad, but again, for money, reputation, some of the stuff off the Queensland thing, it almost feels like your frustration that you used to have with some of the Titans players. Like your Nate Miles, your Ash Harrison's bird when he went to play for New South Wales, but what do you see for your club team? Mm. I'm still waiting for like a real dominant full blown monster year that leads into finals as well and him being that player. So Hopefully it comes. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's more the baggage. Yeah, I mean everything. <clears> you can handle him not playing well in a in a big game because he's played so well in so many mm. big games. But it's the it's the off field stuff, all the all the things that go with well, it. What I said the other week, the comments of we deserve to be in the grand final. They said, no, no, and this is prior to what's happened now off the field. But at the time, I was like, why would you even say that? Like, yeah. If you're going to say something like that, you better come out and back it up. Yeah, and he wasn't great in that game. But in the first place, just don't, just don't make the comment. Yeah, I agree. Just don't make the comment. I agree. It's not something no. that needs to be said publicly. No. No one deserves anything. Uh, toughest player. And I went um, Payne Haas. I think to play 80 minutes as a prop consistently, to just carry the ball up in a team that, you know, wasn't often on the front foot. I just, yeah, I thought he was outstanding this year. And I thought, you can, your definition of tough... I know that my definition of tough has changed over the years. Mm. And just to think about how hard he would have to train and how how much his legs must be burning at some stages during games to play 80 minutes at the pace that the game is played at at the moment. And with the effort he does, he yeah, doesn't like, have many lapses in what he's doing. He's pretty constant, isn't he? Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't believe what he produces. It, I'd it love to him. know like his output in terms of you know, cardio, all those sort of things that sports science can get on somebody that size mm. with that movement, that speed. Like in terms of 
physiological makeup to look at someone that powerful, that mobile, that agile, that fit. Like, there's clearly, you know, some high 99th percentile shit to be Payne Haas. Yeah. Payne Haas is not human. Yeah, un- unbelievable what he produces. Well, like you said, we all have different definitions. Mine, I respect the way he plays football, but in particular the way he had to finish off the year. I had Dylan Edwards to play with a busted foot. Um, you could tell that things weren't right to push through those games, to manage at the back end, manage it through the finals. And on top of that, I've said it before and I'm happy to own it from a couple of years ago. Didn't think they could win the comp with him at fullback. They obviously played differently. We spoke about that. They get more because Nathan's such a dominant seven to let Luai play the other way. Coruscant sort of open up that middle that they don't rely on him yeah. so much to be an extra ball player, a link player. He doesn't have that, but he just carries back. He doesn't fuck around. He doesn't goosey. He doesn't drift sideways. He doesn't try and pick up wingers. He takes the meters. He throws himself in the line. He has 25, 30 carries a game. He just works himself to a standstill. And then, like the, again, the effort on effort, the consistency of the carries, the consistency of the effort. Boo, always being around the ball. He's just tough. And then to have that on top of it, um, full credit to him to play through. And again, in the grand final, 200 and something plus metres, 25 carries, outstanding. And just no self-preservation ever. No thought of self-preservation you have to be extremely tough to play through injuries, let alone something like that. And the old saying goes, it's above the waist, we can tape it or needle it. If it's below the waist, you're pretty much buggered. So the <laughs> fact that he got through on that is incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where are we at? Dirtiest player. This is not one I really enjoy, but... I do. Who you got? Kane Evans. Kane Evans, well... You're a fake tough guy, Kane. And some of the stuff he did this year was... Yeah. Maybe it should just be dumb player. It was just... Yeah, it's probably more. He probably more fits the peanut of the year, but dirty. I... Dirty. It's just dirty. Like, he's yeah. punching punching blokes and... Mm. um, Yeah, like, pushing, head-pressing people. And the the issues that I had a lot of the time he would be dirty was when it was someone was defenceless. To me, that's dirty. Yeah. Um, well, on top of that, look... You can look at suspensions, but a lot of the... If you're going with the most suspended players, like, well... Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the players aren't actually suspended nah, because they're dirty. Up. They're... Suspended because like, that would be Hetherington or been Josh aggressive or Radley. Like, yeah, he's not based dead. on that. That's what I'm saying. Based on that criteria. No, nah, I agree 100 percent where you come from. Um, and we see. I'll, I'll give the Warriors one thing with O'Sullivan. The moves they made. They thought you know he had a okay finish to the year. He's had this sort of potential. I had him at the Roosters. I had him there. Brought him over. Owned it within less than 12 months. They're not pushing forward with it. They've got him released already. Yeah, they've got him out of there. Good decisions by clubs when you've made a bad decision just to go fuck it I own it mm. and they've done that straight away they've yeah. cleared it out he's gone they've got lots of young good young forwards they'll make other moves but that's probably enough of a sign in what you've just said to what the New Zealand Warriors have done in less than 12 months after acquiring him for the club yeah exactly so, well, I agree with you there um, <laughs> and all the best I hope he does turn around because it's a career wasted yeah it's not like no no I that's what I'm saying like him it's just no, no. Like I just I don't like the way he plays but I'm, I'm with like, and like I wouldn't we're want to play with him and I wouldn't want to coach him the way no. he plays because um, I think a lot of the stuff that he did this year wasn't about the team it was no. about him in a particular game you get binned two or three times at the back end of the year twice against the Titans I think wasn't it in the last Cronulla game. as well yeah. when Will Chambers got him and then he come on and got binned again I think he got twice Yeah, there you go. they still won that game and it kept their season alive it's, it's like mate are you yeah. trying to, like, that's selfish. Yeah. Ultimately selfish. Uh, comeback player of the year, and this can be defined in lots of different ways. I get the Kieran Foran, and it's more... I know he, he's not off a specific injury, but he got shit can from the Bulldogs last year after 
three or four years of just consistent injuries. He's had no luck with anything. It's been toes, ankles, you name it. Everything on Kieran Foran's body has been busted. And he's a tough bastard. But the longer this year went on and the more consistent game time he got and training and his rehab and just built games and got it back into his legs, I thought Kieran Foran was a really underrated piece of what Manly did. And I think it's more a testament over such a long period of time because most people wouldn't even persist. He's refused to go away. And when the Bulldogs of all clubs even didn't come to the table last year in their situation and say, we don't want you here, and Manly bring him back to end up one game short of the grand final and have the season he's had with all the adversity. And we know he's had some off-field stuff as well, not things that have got him in trouble, but just personal life issues or things that have happened. Four or five years later, if you would have told me he'd have a year like he did this year, I would have told you again, you're nuts. So I think he's my comeback player of the year in terms of the level that he hit. All right, Jaden Braley. Yeah, huge comeback. Huge. And, yeah, as Alpha mentioned, you said before. Yeah, underrated. I just, yeah, I'd say all the same same things. I think he's an in- integral part of what they do. Yeah. Uh, a fallen player um, off the back of an injury, rule changes, and I just think what happened at the club. But, again, it's not personal with the bloke. I thought he was really, really good in terms of the way he carried himself and he was open and honest the whole time was Josh Hodgson. Yeah, I had the same guy. Um, spoken about in such high regard. And again, I don't like when people jump the gun. They come back after COVID, beat Melbourne. We said round four last year and you got Mick in the throat and go, wow, he's out to take Kevin Smith. He's a brilliant annoying in the game. And then they <laughs> don't win the competition and he doesn't yeah. play that well. And it's like, well, it's you can't, this is like the Farrah thing we talked about for that one year. It's like the body of work. And it's the term argument I had the other week. It's not a knock on the player. It's not personal. But don't fucking take something off just this spark moment and try and compare it to a decade of brilliance or 20 years of being like if you want to be the best player it's got to be more than 10 games 14 games it's got to be consistent even Tedesco Turbo like we made like Teddy now has put premierships New South Wales series probably four good years together exactly when you build that sort of resume you can you can start to hone onto that and say that's the premier one but I look at Hodgson I still think there's something there well, you said it all year. Something stank at Canberra. Mm. And I think Ricky Stewart and the club have got as much blame as what the playing group does. There's accountability everywhere, but it needs to be ironed out. Um, but I thought in terms of the way that things went down, he could have kicked stones. He could have tried to bail. He could have not have fronted up, but he was always there. He always got in front of the camera. He played off the bench. He started. He pushed into the halves. He did everything you'd probably want of somebody given the circumstances. I think he's a good representative from the group. I still think there's a good football player there. I don't know whether they find the balance. I don't know whether it's Canberra after the next 12 months, but I just think from where he was to where he is now, uh, that's it's a long fall. And I hope he gets back to somewhat of where he was because he's an outstanding footballer. Yeah. But I just, yeah, I don't know what it is at Canberra. We talked through a lot of things, but it's not just a Josh Hodgson issue. It's a club issue. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff there. But look, I, I, I look purely on field. I yeah, thought he's on field. That's well below par. 100%. Or, or where, not well below par, his impact on the team, on games, has been has fallen away. Yeah. That's what this award is. Uh, peanut of the year. Well, I just went barbecue gate. I thought that was that crippled the, the dragon season. I think there were what eleven players involved in that. Yeah. So I'd probably put them all in and just say you're all fucking peanuts. Like that was. I don't think the dragons won a game after after that. They were in the eight. Prior to that game. Mm. Well, I had share it because I just thought especially. Share. Especially at the back end of the year, the level of stupidity this year was rarely seen. The storm trio after season, Walsh gets a move on order and then comes back and that's the only reason he gets found out with 
Coke. that situation. Yeah. I got barbecue gate here as well. RP Chorus here. After what happened with Arrow, to try it twice at two different things. When you've got a wife, the Arrow and Queensland thing, I've heard some stories and got pretty good inside mail on that. But that wasn't just dry Arrow, it was a whole Queensland thing. But Arrow's obviously taken the fall for the group. But it's mm-hmm. like, guys, could you, as a collective rugby league players, and you wonder why you get tagged or as an ex-player or coach or anything, and we get frustrated because it isn't, as we always say, it's not the majority, it is the minority. But like, mm. if you want to add any more <laughs> to when people say football players are dumb or you know, don't think or they're disrespectful, this, that, all these other things and tags that they get. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it this way. I, if, if, if you're judging someone's behaviour based on their profile, I have a problem with that because I, I just judge people's behaviour not based on their profile. So something that is offensive and the wrong thing to do for John Smith, I think should be the same for Jonathan Thurston. That's how I judge people. Mm. A lot of people think that there's levels to how people should behave and whether that's right or wrong, I don't agree with that. No. Okay, so the thing, I, I thought the, the barbecue gate one was horrendous because it actually drove a huge wedge between team and, and fans because the fans are in lockdown. The fans are under these orders. The fans are losing their jobs. The fans are, you know, not having income. All, all the things that come with a lockdown, but yet these guys go and... Not only like they they break the rules and they think it's it's okay or what I don't even know what they thought, but I just I just thought that that stunk of well we're above what the rules are because of our profile and that's when yeah I think it's just it was really really yeah just poor judge poor judgment and it's done now like it it is what it is but yeah I just think the impact that that had on their season it ruined their season. Mm. Simple as that. And Any I'm chance with... they had of playing finals? Would I have had them in the finals anyway? Like, I don't know. Yeah. But it certainly had an impact. Whether it cost them... It certainly cost them a chance of playing finals, whether they would have actually played finals or not, we'll never know. Yeah. And I don't want to harp on it, but I had a bigger problem with the RP one, and I'm more the shits that... Which, so what, much... which, what, which RP one are you talking about? Origin. And he's... The, the girl, and he's got a wife and kid or whatever. Yeah. But I looked at that and just thought... Because they spent a week bashing the dragons over barbecue gate, that barely got a lick. Like it was almost yeah, like, well, we've yeah. run with this because it's the first COVID breach. But then I, I'd look at that and say that if that was if that was me if that was me cheating on my wife, I'd I'd expect the same vitriol from people as what it would be if I was an NRL player, Appy Coruscant. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I think, but like that's what I'm getting here. When you look thing. at things of the, a moral, the difference with the barbecue gate one was that it was about profile. Yeah. Well, yeah. But I'm more, I got angry after that because I was like, well, between that and the Arrow thing, like, it's the showpiece of the game. Yeah. You put it at risk. One had a girlfriend who's Miss Universe. Like, Joe Arrow, he should get peanut out of you, really. He lost Miss Universe. Mate, <laughs> give yourself a fucking triple. Cl- Couldn't believe it when I saw the, him. Uh, the Clint Newton Award. I saw his missus. I was like, holy fail. fucking shit, what have you done? Yeah. Whoever it was, I hope she was the next Miss Universe. Because Apparently, that's why he left the Titans to go to Sydney. Yeah, because well, yeah, he's moving. And I looked at that, but then the RP one, I just thought, like, I don't know the bloke. I'm not going to get personal, but yeah. if you've got a wife and kids and you've tried to get someone in, again, during origin time and everything's going on there, I just more looked at the media again. I'm like, the balance here, because that was the first big COVID thing for a week, they just whipped the shit out. And then that happened and it barely got airtime. I was like, we fucking kidding? If you want to go off, like, a moral issue or a moral side of things... You've barely said a peep. It's like, ah, it's, yeah. it's old news now. That happened. We already got our first story. Yeah. So, a lot of peanuts, as usual. Share it. And I'll fuck, <laughs> fucking bag of peanuts. And I love you. He's a great 
and you probably probably bring it any time it but, but you're not the smartest. how many times have we said all the courses all the education all the things you do but you can't put brains in statues unfortunately god bless them yeah and they're risk takers by nature we know that you got to be fucking nuts to play the game of rugby league and in particular at that level so unfortunately <laughs> these things got to happen risk, yep. risk it to get the biscuit uh, best buy I think this one's easy Papa Lee yeah easy he was outstanding um I think the change of scenery sometimes for, in particular, some of the Kiwi boys is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Some choose to stay or never move or whatever. He did his couple of years. He was very raw. They got him from being a junior powerlifting champion, barely played any football, showed some real potential. And I think the crazy part for me when he went, he obviously needed the change of scenery. I felt he needed to get out of that environment. But how young he is. I knew how young he was. And I can guarantee it if anyone goes back and listens to the season preview, I said I think it's going to be an outstanding boy. Not saying I predicted this because there's no way I thought he would have reached team of the year. But for what I saw for his age and his ability and the amount of games he played to go to a place like Parramatta, I thought he'll be a really good contributor. The fact that he played how he did now and will be one of the most sought-after forwards on the open market, and rightfully so, outstanding. And it cost him 150 k For what they got out of him, mm. that's fucking an absolute bargain. Bargain. You got a couple of others that are obviously around that Walsh going to the Warriors for the rest of the season, hundred grand, and how Brisbane fucked that up, I don't know. Um, hundred grand, that seems like a bargain to me. Laurie went to the Tigers, hundred fifty k. That's going to be a, a nice upgrade if mm. his legs good and he comes back, given the way he played for them. And probably the other one uh, would be Remus going from the Bulldogs down to Melbourne. Someone not really sought after, they would have paid him next to nothing, and uh, he was very very good. So. There's probably a couple, but Papa Lee sits on top of the pops, I think, for what we saw on field. Overachieving team. I don't think this needs a lot more plaudits. We've given plenty of plaudits during the year. The Roosters. They lost basically half their salary cap. Uh, they had to deal with so much, and to get to where they did with the players did go, they did. Did we go worst buy, best buy? Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. I've skipped over best buy. Come on, mate. And went straight down. Worst uh, buy. Well... I'm going to wrap in Best Buy with the same one. It was Papalii. And I had Bargain Buy here too, sorry. Okay. They have the same category for me. All right, I had Dane Laurie as my Bargain Buy. I thought he was he would have gone there on far less money than what he actually produced. I thought he played really, really well when he was fit. He was probably the on the same level as Adam Dewey in regards to influencing games for the West Tigers. Yeah. Worst Buy, I had on the other side for the West Tigers, I had the... The uh, BJ and James Roberts trio. Well, I had, trio, duo. You I mean? had a lot here, and for all different reasons, it was hard. Like Evans, for what happened now, yeah, was terrible, but they've already got rid of him. SES at the Titans, did he play one or two games? He was Don't know. He got sent off, I think, didn't he? Yeah, and then he basically never played again. <laughs> and now he won't. Off. They're trying to get rid of him. And now he won't leave because he got a three-year well, deal why would you on leave? good money. He's entitled he's, to stay. Just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you're looking at it now, going, "That's <laughs> fucking terrible." In the yeah. scheme of things, uh, I think the Bulldogs made two, like to pay Allen off a couple of games, which pure panic, give him half a million dollars, and then again in and out, not playing fullback, playing centre, playing wing. Just it's panic buying when you get money. When you get money, you don't have to spend it, and when you do spend it, you've got to be smarter. I don't know, people say, well, they have to pay over as well. You don't fucking get to put 33% on top of what someone probably should get paid just because you got an origin off some injuries. Like, that's the definition of insanity when you've just got yourself out of a pickle and you throw yourself back into that mix. Yeah. Um, 
for them, probably, again, I think all three of their big signings. Kotrick, they paid overs again, another 33% on top. We all know his best position's wing. His best work's done out of yardage. If you're going to pay 650k and say you're a centre, persist with it. Like, when you give up after a few games, you're basically admitting, again, like, it's not working, we've gone overs, you're a winger. It's like, well, again, you should have paid him as a winger or you should have stuck with that gun and he would have had to decide here or Canberra. But they were like, you're a centre, we'll pay you as a centre, you're going to be a rep player, etc., um, and then the Flanagan one, I don't think it's more of money, it's more of principle. When you pick someone up after the back of what happened, and I think they quit on him very early again, not knowing what's going on behind, but um, you can make arguments, like we said, about Fafita on price tag, but again, they got Tino in. He had some big games, obviously, against the top eight, not so much. The one that I think is a sneaky one, and I'm just going to bring this up, Dragons fans probably won't like me for this. I reckon DeBellin's extension after the time off for the rule changes, for his age and what they don't know moving forward is fucking insanity. Mm. They gave him until 2024 and they upgraded him to $750,000 after missing two and a half years. To me, I know like you basically write off this year because he's just getting back to playing footy, but I think that's fucking insane. Yeah. And I don't care if they were threatened, which they probably were. We was talk managers were taking offers. We thought the Tigers were. No one could even sign him. But if I'm the Dragons, after everything you've been through, and let's again, we're not going to deal with that side of it, if you've missed two and a half years of football and we've still been paying you good money off the back of your reps, the game's changed a lot since you're out and we don't know if you're going to get back close to what you're at. I'm not giving you four years, $750,000. I think that's insane. I could be completely wrong next year. You might come back, start cutting blokes in half. How much is 750000 750K. But I don't think he's going to live up to what they've given him off the back of the time he's had off. I thought that was nuts. I don't even think in his best days he's worth that much money. I think it's too much to pay for a middle forward. Well, especially the way... For the, a lock. The rules have gone away from... He's got that link, but he's not as genuine. I'd pay... I'd pay Yo, Radley, and Murray that money right now. Mm, that's what I'm saying. They've paid he's him... Not, they've he's paid not... Him. He's, he is a suitable lock for five years ago. That's what I'm saying. Though. They've paid him, though, <clears> on what he did pre But also on what pre, the game was. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Pre-rules, mm. pre-time off... Pre everything, so you've paid two and a half years off, thirty years old, four year extension. If that's not looking good next year, you've still got twenty three, twenty four, and yeah. they signed this year, paid him the half that wage or whatever it was when he got back. I thought that was nuts. Yeah, I agree, man. So again, it's going to be seen to be proved, but when I sort of looked into Reddit, I was like, wow, hmm. it's probably one that a lot of people have slipped over because no one knows the money. But they got an upgrade, not just years or got back on the plane. They got an upgrade pre. Everything that happened, I thought that's a fucking big risk by the Dragons. So, <laughs> I think uh, I might be proven wrong. Hopefully, he does prove me wrong, but I thought that was fucking insane. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, bargain buy, like I said, for me, was the same as before. Papa Lee, best buy, bargain buy for me. Yep. Tick both categories was outstanding. Overachieving, I just started to ramble about it. We've given superlatives all year. It's the Roosters. No one, no, I think... I went Manly. Really? Yep. They finished ahead of them. Yeah. They started on four. They were... Tip to be the wooden spooners. I think if anything, they proved how so, reliable, reliant they were on one person. Whereas the roosters, I would have thought the roosters would be the team of adversity, but I don't think they overachieved because I expected them to make the finals. Well, and with, they still made with who the they lost, I didn't think. They'd yeah, get I, to I just went manly. I, I think manly far out overachieved on on what I thought preseason. Mm. Uh, and the underachiever I thought was fairly easy. It was Canberra. Yeah, and. Some people, such as myself, had them in the grand final or continuing for a grand final and how quickly it's gone backwards and 
like we said, whatever's going on there, there's a lot of things that need to be sorted, but the divide between club, players, coach, management, the group, uh, needs to be sorted this preseason. Because yeah. if it's not, it's going to be a quick, you know, quick roll backwards from all the work they put in to build it into what it was starting to look like, which was going to be a sustainable top eight, top four side for a long period of time. Yeah. So Canberra definitely the ones that underachieved. Uh, we're getting to the tail end. Your highlight of the season? Oh, the final series. I thought the final series was outstanding. There was probably two games in there that were stinkers. Unfortunately, the Manly, Manly were involved in probably three. Got dusted by Melbourne, then dusted the Yeah, Roosters. the three Manly games were probably stinkers. Then got dusted by South. Yeah. Yeah, they were. But I thought the other there. six games were just outstanding. Unreal. Parramatta-Newcastle was a good game. The Titans-Roosters was... Yeah, heartbreaking, but un- unreal. Like a just a really, really good game of footy. What was the other game I'm missing there? Penrith South, good game of footy. Then you go Penrith Para, unreal. Uh, Penrith Melbourne, and then the grand final. Like they were, they were all close and different games of footy. I would say that the final series was certainly refereed differently to the rest of the year. But I um I I genuinely just. Thought the final series was as good as the final series as I can remember in a long time. Yeah. Well, my highlight uh, and low light pretty much tied to the same thing. But my highlight was just the resilience of the game again to uh, adapt in the situation. I think the NRL, uh, why at times, like we said, there's still some things to be worked on. But under this sort of regime since it's taken over and what they've done so far in the two most difficult years, the clean-up last year, the bubbles, the whole situation, finishing the season, getting back into things again this year, the way they've handled things, adapt, move, the bubbles, getting the families up there. Like I think overall, um, by all the clubs, the game and everyone involved, you know, pushing it in the regional areas up there and getting the origin to a few new spots, Townsville, wherever it's had to go. Like just thinking all in every situation, they've just taken the best of what they had and, and made it a winner. Mm. So that was my real high. And the fact that, again, we, we didn't stop, we didn't quit. They, they got the job done again. Uh, yeah, they did, they did a fantastic job. What, what I actually... To double down on that is how strongly the coaches and the players have come out and actually said that. Mm, and I think more They don't have it, to say that. No. And I think more of that point I made you then, not only did they finish the comp, but I think they made it more than comfortable for the players. It wasn't like, you just fucking do this, they this went is over your and job. Beyond. Yeah. We'll get your families, we're going to set up the best, we, we want to do as much as we can to make it for personal welfare, family, mental, so all the shit you've had to deal with, we want to make this yeah, the best possible, possible experience. And they paid out their ass for it too, for the Queensland government. Floated a lot of the hotel, lots of things you can pump money in. And it proved, I think, again, they named a profit the other day of 50 million. And some said, oh, that's crazy. But if you take out the Double Origin series, which was one point so I made, it's still a fucking profit in what's been a horrible two years where they've had to outlay a lot and they've lost a shitload of revenue. But the main thing is they trimmed a lot of fat because they went in there and said, you do this job and you've got two people under you and you've got three under you and half these development officers or you like what the fuck are you doing what are you doing they went through and just said a lot of that and just said no yeah. limos are fucking all this shit is going this game should be churning out more and until the hardest years not only have they got the competition yeah. done but they've also managed to stay in the green yeah which is huge um but yeah I think on the flip side more of a personal note my low light was just losing the football in New South Wales I the interruption. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the last game that we actually went to. The last game we went to was the one on the hill at Penrith against the Roosters in the rain. Because that's the last sort of home game I think we had. 
You might have went the one after that ANZ, but that's the last game I went to. Panthers, Roosters, I think they were down early. And then Tokiahu got sent off for the high shot on Cleary. And then Penrith scored a couple before halftime, dust in the second half. But that, again... That just, yeah, highlights how long like, it's been since I've been to a footy game. Last year was so good when it all came back and we bought those corporate tickets for Raiders Panthers and then we got yeah. to do the finals and Origin. That was awesome. But that was for my birthday. So that's, yeah, yeah, we sort of came out of it in August last year, whereas this year we're, we were only really going yeah. into it in August, weren't we? June, and that's killed me. Late like, June. I've had my 30th in lockdown with no mates and then the year just gone, it was all fucked up again and no footy. And then, yeah, no Origin and I lose the grand final streak. It was awesome that they finished the season, like I said, but on more on the personal side of things, I was heartbroken that we didn't get to go to the grand final. Much bigger issues than that, but yeah, I'm glad they, uh, again... Yeah, it didn't, like I thought it would um, be a bit weirder than what it was, but not being there. Mm. Oh, it was great that, like I said, I'm, I'm more happy that everything just got done because there was a lot of adversity even the week of the grand final. Yeah, and I, right. I was really worried about Palaszczuk and what was going to happen up there, but... Mm. Thank God uh, the game went ahead. But, yeah, that's more of a personal low. Like, just when the footy went away, four months of lockdown, basically, just out. And uh, all those things that we really look forward to didn't happen. No finals, yeah, so no Blue, origin. Blue Bet Stadium, Friday the 18th of June. That was it. Penrith 38, Brewster's 12. They didn't play a home game again before we went, did they? I don't I'm just having a look now. That was round 15. Mm. And then the games started to get moved to... Yeah, the, the Parramatta game was played under lockdown. Yeah, so we didn't get to go to that. Otherwise, we would have went. The Roosters-Storm game was moved Newcastle. from the SCG to Newcastle. We actually had tickets for that. And Melbourne went home, then got flown up, I think. They flew up. From yeah, so they were, the, they were all lockdown games, and we never never came out of it. So, yeah, I can't even remember that Roosters game. So there you I go. Because we were on the hill in the rain, and I was like, even in this, I was like, how good is this? And before you know it. Maybe okay. Oh, yeah. I remember the day we went in, coming to watch... You guys, after I finish work, play Massey. Yeah, we played Windsor on the Saturday at finished, 2 o'clock, yeah. at 3 o'clock, and finished we're the night shift, at 6. Got out of the car, walked up to you and said on the radio, they just said, 8 o'clock, we're done. We're in lockdown. Watched you play, had two beers, went home. That was mm. it. <laughs> We've spent the last four months at working at home, so good times. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that's probably my only low light. Just the Shout fact. out probably to the people in Victoria who was... Oh, massively. They went through it last year. They're going through it this year. Hell of a ride. Yeah. Um, and again, like I said, it's only a personal win, so don't mind me. But yeah, just more. It was so good, the finish we had last year. All those games were great to go to. And this year started so positively. I was like, yeah, how good is it? You know, yeah. you really appreciate it. And then the second half of the year when all the big games took off. So was that, your, that, that was your low light? That's my low light. I, my low light was Magic Round. It got fucking ruined. Yeah, they did fucking butcher it, didn't they? It was just... They yeah, destroyed I, it. I don't know what. I'm glad we didn't go this year. We were going to go. I don't know what. Fucking glad we didn't go. I, yeah, I still can't fathom. What they did. Yeah, I, no, I just can't fathom uh, the conversations, the meetings, the justification, the mm. the thought that a group of people, and this is sometimes why committees are bad, but this is also sometimes why... And not a dictatorship, but having someone sit at the top like Volandis does can also be a bad thing. Uh, I think you sort of need to find a balance between committees. It's very easy for everyone in a committee just to agree and go, yeah, okay. But it's also very easy for one person to miss things that a committee wouldn't. 
So in terms of making decisions, I think you probably need to have a mix of it. Maybe a committee recommends something to Volandia's. I'm not sure what the process is, but whatever the process um, was to, to sort of move the game in that direction uh, was, yeah, staggering and, and it ruined that weekend and it probably ruined the footy for, oh, I don't know, a month or two? Mm. Probably a month. Origin was probably the godsend because... You know, going to those games and sort of refereeing them differently, whether people want to actually admit that or not, they are refereed differently, just like finals are, as, we, as we've seen for the last month. I think Origin was probably a little bit of a circuit breaker and the referee sort of would watch Origin and then come back and gradually we sort of got back to, like, like the grand final. I thought the prelim... Yeah, the finals. Melbourne, Melbourne, Penrith and the grand final were two of the biggest wrestling games I've seen in the last four years. Hmm. They wrestled the shit out of each other. everybody does it. That's why. No, I, I mean, yeah. like, I yeah, don't that's care. The that's I, the point, though. The game is the game. Like, yeah. I, I strongly believe that if you've got a team and you've got players, they need to be adaptable. The can't footballers aren't style, done. Footballers push the envelope. When the referee doesn't man, blow it, like, they go, please, okay. Wrestling's dead. This right. is the standard. This is what we're doing. And they do it. Is anyone watching this fucking game? Hmm. Anyway. Uh, that magic round. They butchered it. Yeah. Right at the back end. Try of the year, I thought the Manly try was incredible. The Cowboys won. Yeah, that, Turbo. Was, that was ridiculous. Unreal. 110 meter try. It was really good. Um, <laughs> and again, full credit to Garrick. You could quit on that one, just run it dead. When he started to run, I thought this is going to go nowhere. And then next minute, he's fucking <laughs> heading up field. I was like, all right. He's taking well, it to the bank. Full credit there. Full credit there. Uh, game of the year. This one's hard. It is like, I'm more, I don't know if I really had a game of the year. I just had a couple that I thought were crazy. In terms of the turnaround, and again, it's probably more attributed to the rules, but like the Titans were involved in a couple of them. Like the lead they got over Manly and South and Brisbane, and then the turnaround, the fact that Canberra had multiple double point leads. There's some games I looked at and thought, fucking hell, these rules. Mm. Um, the Canberra Warriors game, they had a couple injuries. They're up like three tries. Cam- I think Warriors ran them down in like round three. Probably one early on that really stuck in my mind was the Storm Eels game in the wet. I just thought that was a high-quality game for the conditions that it was played in. But I think- I'm going one week after you. My game of the year was Penrith Melbourne down here. Mm, with players that missing too. It was fucking unreal. Like yep. I was there that night. I was so psyched for that game, mm. and it delivered. It went down to the last play of the game. I was down that end of the field. I reckon I'd had probably six beers, so I was in a real good spot. Yeah, so was I. It was great. It was such a good game, and I won money. Like everything just went right yeah, there, right? So did I. Cheese first try. Burrow um, in. Yeah. Was that on a Friday? Thursday? Friday, Friday night. night. Friday night. I think yeah. it might have been Thursday. I don't know. We got legal stuff. I don't know if I went to work on it. I can't remember. I, think I went I did. to work, but yeah, it was. It's good time. It's unreal. Uh, the other one, not selfishly, I thought the final Roosters Titans. Like you're not going to get a game like that. That was another one. Last play of the game. Yeah, pretty crazy. Heartbreak. That game went back and forth. Like, it was just neither team wanted to tackle. So, Titans Roosters actually during the year was unreal. Sam Moore kicked a field goal yeah, 30 by 30. So, mm. yeah. I, but me, as a, as a purist, and it probably mixes in with, I'd had six beers, I won money, I was on the hill. It was a grand final rematch. It went down the last play. It was early in the season. Yeah, that was just an unreal game. Yep. And everyone will have their own one. Yeah, like I said, I had a lot, but it was, I don't know if it was so much game. The Storm Eels one, I just really enjoyed, and the conditions of it was nuts. Um, Panther Storm was good, but I just had a lot that stuck in my head when I said it the other day, going, fuck, there were some big turnarounds or big scores or things just completely flipped on the head that you're sitting there at the time with the rules more so going, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. Like 22 nil up and 
50 something points out. There's a few games like that where I sat there going, fire out. This is just, <laughs> you wouldn't have seen this a few years ago. A few years ago, if you got 12 ahead, yeah. Oh, you got no chance. Yeah. The game was nuts. Um, the player of the year, like I said before, it was a two-horse race. I don't think it was a two-horse race. But for me, I, I landed on Cleary. Cleary? Yeah. I think, again, <laughs> wow. encompassing what happened for the whole year. We have to have a joint decision, so I, I don't get the thing, but we're going to have our own side of things. Mine was more, like we said, our player of the year to me isn't just for the regular season. We encompassed the whole thing. I think Turbo was sort of blocked out in the few finals games that he had. He didn't really have a huge impact. A lot of the time when they played the top four sides during the year, and yes, he does need help from those around him, but I do think, again, when I look at, say, Tedesco's effort against them in the last finals game and and across the year with players missing and just the consistent effort that I find at times that when things aren't so much on the front foot, he's probably not as noticeable just in dirty work and yardage. But like some of his individual performances, the hat-tricks, the try assist and that, they were great. But you're talking about cutting the Bulldogs to pieces and nah. the Tigers and other things. And his games were incredible. Don't get me wrong. But he, I think at the end when Nathan came back and kicked the way he did in the grand final, uh, that was the cherry on top for yeah. me. And his season before the shoulder, I think he would have easily... The seat before the shoulder, he was playing way better than he did at the back end of the year. But you're... So, oh, turbo by a mile. I, th- I thought it was fucking ridiculous that they're, they're even in the same discussion. Well, there that's, you go. I had both of them here, but I'll go with you then. So we're on turbo. He's our player of the year. Yeah, it doesn't worry me. I, no, I'm just saying, but we, we're a joint thing on this, but I had an argument for I thought for both. Cleary last year was by far the best player in the comp last year. Mm. And he was, in my opinion, a victim of the the system. Not to take anything away from Jack White, because he, he had an unreal season as well. But I, I didn't think he was anywhere near Nathan Cleary. Mm. And I'm not like uh, that. And I, I just don't think anyone was near Turbo. As an individual award, if you're talking about impact on their team... Well, the impact that Nathan had on his team, he was the he was the most important player in the team that won the grand final. So, if you're talking about most valuable player based on results, it's Nathan Cleary. Most valuable player based on performance and what they mean to their team, I think it's Turbo. In that case, but I like think said. I think it's an individual award based on individual performance. I'm not taking the the impact on the team. What's well, secondary? I thought tur- Turbo's season was as good as... Yeah, I like so. I, th- I thought it was better than Hayne and better than Barber's. I think it's the best... Probably the best season I've seen since probably when Joey was in his prime and just fucking dominating. Thurston had a couple of those years where he just tore games apart. Like, if he was playing, that was it. Fuck, you can't, you can't beat him. And well, he was on. My only counter that again is in all the bigger games this year. Yeah, I think that I was think more... Hayne delivered on bigger games that meant more. I thought Turbo's mm. impact in the finals and but I think Hayne top eight, and Barber top four sides had wasn't. much better teams to play with. I think, again, though, if you take Hayne out, they don't go to the grand final. He got them single-handedly to Well, the I think if final. you take Turbo out of Manly, they run bottom four. I'm with you, but they also didn't beat anyone in the top four, whereas yeah. Hayne, to me, got them to a grand final. But he got them in the top four. Yeah, I get that. But I'm more saying, if you want to compare those runs when people started bringing up, I thought, well, he needs to get them to a grand final if you even want to compare those runs to me. Mm. I thought Barber and Hayne... Yeah, I think it's healthy debate. I, I definitely agree that Cleary was by far and easily the second best player in the comp. Mm. Uh, and, Pe- and Penrith fans are going to fucking say it's Nathan. Manly fans well, are going to say it's everyone. Every one of those Turbo. fans right now between the two are flipping out after what I've said. But I had both here, and I can make arguments. Oh, I see, both. Yeah. But it's a joint decision, so 
I'm going to go with you. We'll go with Turbo. Who He's, did we go? Who was it last year? Cleary? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was Cleary. Would it had to have been. Oh, yeah. If not, I'm going to give myself a... I'm pretty sure it was. I wiped it out after I'm going to give I myself a triple. Reading my list here, but there you go. Tom Travojevic is the fifth and last player of the year for the fifths. And now we will do... You just don't like turbos. No, I don't. I've got nothing with turbo. <laughs> you're a manly hater, mate. Melbourne fan. No, you're the manly hater. You're <laughs> yeah. the one that constantly... That's, this is the thing, isn't it? You're I'm, the hater. I'm, I'm the one that's often uh, painted as the manly hater. Mate, I'm the one who sat here a few weeks ago and did nothing but praise the back rowers and their versatility, this, that, and the other. When they got in the finals, they served up absolute shit sandwiches. So. Good. And the only other thing, like I said before, you, they, they were basically sitting there gat week one going, Turbo, do this. Mm. And then again, week three, I thought it was on Turbo and he had a few moments, but when they're on the back foot... Yeah, we're going around in circles now. Too much on him. He's outstanding, but your team of the year, fullback is quite obvious. Yeah, Turbo. It is Turbo, and he's our fifth and last player of the year. Your wingers in your team of the year. I went Alex Johnson, Brian Toto. Well, Brian Toto was a no-brainer. The other one, when I sort of went back and had a look, I think too much is made of guys that get the tries. Like, Johnson's an outstanding finisher... Uh, you know, Saab got credit. Like, there's a couple of guys. Fox got some credit. I didn't think those guys were as good um, in their overall game. I thought the one who missed out on a nomination for me in the Dale Ames, which was an insult, was Daniel Tupo. Daniel Tupo was second only to Toto in terms of yardage, work, carries. He still scored 15 tries. I think he's still another one of these guys that doesn't get anywhere near yeah. the credit. But I think Garrick, and again, it pains me because I'm not biggest fan Big in yardage, the goal kicking, the try score. I think he ticked a lot of boxes this year, so I, I had Garrick in as my second winger. Yeah, Garrick. Garrick is, in, is one of my wingers. Okay. Yeah, Garrick. Mate, Johnson gets fucking manhandled every time of yardage. You can finish. That's my point. Johnson's if, a gun. If finishing's your only job, I look at someone like a Tupo and go, well, I know what Tupo? I know who I'd rather. I know who I'd rather Johnson. too. I'd take Johnston, but I think on the year, I Garrick. <laughs> Johnston fucking didn't play for about eight weeks, mate. Yeah. He still scored 31 tries or whatever it is. He's a gun. All right, centres. Olam and Burton and no one anywhere near him. Well, I cheated in this one because I think Manu really should be one of them with Burton, but because he played other positions, I've obviously going to sneak him in later. So I'm with you. Olam and Burton were my centres of the year. I think the halves are pretty obvious. The six is Cody Walker. Yeah, Walker and, and Cleary. The seven's Cleary. Um, front row. I, I went Fisher, Harris, and Welch. I had Haas and Fish. I was very hard to leave Welch out. I thought he was outstanding. I know Fish is back end probably wasn't as good, but still think overall he had a very good year. Haas got punished. Haas is not an argument. Uh, Hooker, I had Cheese. Yeah, me too. Cheese was fucking immense. Um, back rows, I think one is a guarantee. The other one, you could have a few guys. I think a lot of guys missed time, suspensions, injury. Papali. I had um, him and Colin Matoni. Keon, I had Keon as one of my mentions. I ended up going with Crichton, but he missed yeah, some right time. Yeah, no, I went Colin I think, again, that one one's and open. The fact that they moved Colin and he had such a significant impact in the finals. Mm. They made the GF. I, I thought think, he played great footy. I think Kikiao's year as a whole and the fact that he won that award surprised me. I, I almost I thought, fell over when I he thought Satili had a better year what, what than him. Hell? I thought Olakowatu was good at the back end. Tupanil was the only other one I would have put in ahead of... Yeah. Colin yeah. Matungi in. I'll put Colin Matungi in because of the weeks he played post when and how, how the eliminated. system works with the votes. I thought, surely, because isn't it the points? I thought, how's for Fida? I know, like playing at the Titans, some of the hat trick games or try games, how do you not rack up more points? I hate the system. 
But was he even nominated for Back Row of the Year? I don't think David Feeder was. Well, he shouldn't have been. Did he get suspended twice? I think that takes you out of the running. Well, I still get your name on the Dallium. Well, Walsh didn't get Rookie of the Year or something because he got suspended twice, or I don't know. Well, Walker was still on there. He got suspended. Yeah, you yeah, lose points. Twice. doesn't mean you're ineligible. I think if you go twice, you get kicked off an award, now. I don't know. But back row, I thought, outside of Papali, there's a few guys. You could have argued for Satili, Ola, Fafida, Kaloa. There was a few guys, but it wasn't an open and shut thing with a lot of them. You can make an argument. Uh, Locke, again, no-brainer. It's, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And then I've got Murray as my first benchy because I'm like, they're as good as each other. Cameron Murray and Isaiah Yeo. Well, again. To me, 1A and 1B at Locke. I cheated with my bench, and again, it's for those certain positions. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cam No. You idiot. I thought yeah, he started a bit slow, but his year and his origin performance highly underrated. My first bench player was James Tedesco. Yeah. I thought... I've got Tedesco as well. He was outstanding. My second bench player is going to sound like a homer thing to a lot of people, but I think you got your eyes fucking painted if you don't agree with this. I picked Jerome Hughes. Yeah, I've got Jerome Hughes. Yeah. Jerome Hughes was... I've got the same. Yeah, yeah okay, go again. Number Hughes. three was another one I cheated on was Joseph Martin. Oh, i got Joey Marnie. It's because... Yep. It's okay. So the only... Uh, who's your different one? I had Murray. Who'd you have? I had Harry Grant. Oh, you're kidding yourself. No, I'm not. Yeah. Hey, Harry Grant in... He fifth, was ordinary. 15 games compared to every other hooker in the competition. Had more yeah, try assists, as many stats. tries, line break. Oh, I'm the same. Overall impact on a game and effectiveness. How was his impact in the prelim final when you fucking needed him? He's a lot better than a lot of other players in the competition. Yeah, so yeah. I thought he was... thought he let you down in, in some key situations where well, he should have been. he should have been better. That's me being critical. Well, I, think, I don't. I don't dislike no, him. No, I like no, him. I'm just saying. There's and a lot of guys. I think player. let us down though. But I thought you Hughes really needed him to stand, stand up. I'm not saying it just to agree, but I had their two or three guys for that last spot, and Murray was one of them. Uh, he was definitely someone I considered when, when we looked at the props. I thought there was a couple of guys that had really good, underrated years. I thought Safidi before his injury at Starley was outstanding. Daniel Safidi. He's mm. come on leaps and bounds. Oh, Jared had a really underrated year for the Roosters. I know it's probably not so yeah, much. Yeah, my my the guy I left out was Payne Haas. That I mm. I just couldn't find a spot for. Um, I couldn't find a spot for uh, a front row on my bench, yeah. and I tossed the coin. I just thought Welch. Yeah, well, I feel had like more said, of an impact. Oh, he was on a, on a better team. Like I said to you, I didn't think there was anyone else behind Yo Bar Murray. Like I know a lot of people on the Jake train. I think Jake's overrated. You can't talk about people like that. But Murray was outstanding. Hooker, I think, you know, Cheese was great. But I think Coruscant, Bar injury, and obviously some other stuff. He had a really good year and was underrated in the finals. Mahoney's effort at Parra before his injury, he was massively important for them. Um, you know, like you said, Welch in the front row stakes and Safidi, a few other guys. Dewey. That six for the Tigers was a real standout. I don't think there was many others that really shone. He's going nowhere near my team of the year. Um, no, not team of the year, but in positions. Yeah. And what they did. I'm um, giving no one a notable mention. If you can make it, play back. There you go. Run to your team of the year one last time, Boxhead. So we only had two different then. 
I think. No, no, three. Back, one back row, one winger, and one bench player. So full back of the year, we both had Turbo. Turbo. Yeah, I had Johnson and Toto. Yep. I had Olam and Burton. So I had Toto and Garrick, so that difference. We both had Olam and Burton. We both had Cody and Cleary. You had... Smith. We both had Smith. Smith. We both... Fish and Welch. Yeah, well, I had Fish and Haas. We both had Papaletti. Yeah, I, I had Colin Matangi. And I had Crichton. We both had Yo. Yeah. And the bench, we both had Tedesco, Hughes, Manu, but the last spot, I went Harry, you went Murray. Yeah. So, there you go. There's some consistency, at least, there across the board from the majority. There were three different, is that right? Yeah. Four different. Three. Four. Garrick, and I had Johnson. Um, oh, yeah, Welch, yeah, different. You had right. Haas, yep. Colin Matangi, you had Crichton, and, yep. yeah, Murray. And- there you go. The fifth and last player of the year, Tom Travojevic, and that's our individual teams of the year. To wrap us up, let's run through some of the final bits and pieces that have happened since uh, some results from the weekend. Obviously, the uh, Queensland Cup got to finish, not the New South Wales competitions this year, and North Devils, credit has to be given, beat Wynnum Manly, who got back you know five or six very handy players from the Broncos. Jeff Yard was Arthur Selwyn Cobbo. David Mead, TC Rabadi, they got a swagger players back. On the flip side, you've got the North Devils that are one of the rare teams that was pretty much self-sufficient. They had Denny Levi in the end, but what people don't know is before Levi got contracted to the Broncos, he went to the North Devils. So he's pretty much a Devils player before he got picked up by Brisbane. He wasn't someone that was given back to him. Peter Cora, the young fella, uh, got a little bit of run at the back end, but got knocked out, didn't play. Everyone else other than that in that team is basically... A Devils player was signed for Queensland Cup by North Devils. Won that competition. Rowan Smith, outstanding by his team, uh, what they did. I thought their skill level was unreal. Jack yeah. Ahern. Yeah, they were... I was cheering for them because I've worked with Rowan a little bit at different clubs. Not worked with him um, directly, but you know he's been at NRL clubs and I've been at certain clubs. And he's just a straight-up nice guy, intelligent. No ego in him. Um, just a lovely bloke. So, yeah, really, really happy for him. And I was, yeah, definitely pulling for him. And smart. During the finals, I didn't I didn't pay close, super close attention, particularly while our season was going on. But, uh, yeah, certainly once things stopped. and but Smart in um, recruitment base. He's obviously spent some time at different clubs. He's been yeah. partly at the Warriors with his Warriors, dad. Warriors, Panthers. Roosters. Roosters. So a lot of the guys I saw there have got, like everyone, had junior backgrounds. But, again, not in systems, but, like, Broadhurst, I'm pretty sure, was a junior rooster from memory. Seabold had him linked up doing some stuff at the Broncos as well when mm. Seabold was there. So. Molo, Sarah, like he had a couple of guys that he obviously would have known from Warriors times. He had some good veterans. I think also he showed a side to me of Denny Levi that I haven't really seen, the way he used him. Like you see Levi in grade, it's basically dish and run. Yeah. Um, and at times it gets very predictable. I thought when he got back in there, along with Ahern having a ball playing fullback, he's almost like an extra half to help out. And getting Roberts late in the year as a recruiter obviously wasn't at the Titans anymore. Um, really well-constructed side, but yeah. I yeah. think uh, in particular that side of things. And the foot-making Levi much more creative, something he hasn't really done a lot of dummy half of. I kind of sat there and thought, well, if that sort of skill set was on show a little bit more often the last few years, he might have had another crack somewhere else next year. But he's another one who's only mid-20s. He's now heading over to the Super League. So yeah, um, good win by them. Full credit to win him, though. Um, I think they may have... Did they lose before the last time of COVID, I think? And they had a lot to play for. Um, really huge of the club to name. 
agree. Uh, I think they named one of the stands after Mitch Cronin, who was a player at Canberra, went up there and was a long-term player, made the Queensland Cup team of the year a few times. Um, they had a lot there about him after he passed away there and playing in his spirit. Obviously very, very close to getting the job done, but uh, overall a great season by them as well. Unreal. But uh, I really enjoyed the hastings Deering's colts game, which is the equivalent of the under-21s here, the jersey flag. <laughs> and one for North Queensland fans to remember, Tom Chester, when I watched that game. Young lock, huge impact on the game, probably more towards what we've just talked about before, about where the game's going. Mobile, got a pass, got good footwork, um, looked really dangerous. Again, it's hard until they play a cup and play against men and have a preseason. But I think they beat Wynnum, who ended up winning the 21s twice during the year and got the job done in the grand final, went to Golden Point. Both of them had a shot at field goal, both deflected off the posts, ended up kicking a second field goal, won the game 17-16, Wynnum Manly in the 21s. So um, really good game, quite enjoyed it. But if you're a Cowboys fan, I know it wasn't a great year, but there were six or seven from memory they said yesterday that are signed in terms of development and moving up and training and there look to be some good kids there. So I know it's not on the horizon immediately, but there's some good blokes. But yeah, one that really stood out for me for Blackhawks was Tom Chester. So if you're a Cowboys fan, keep that one under your hat. The man of the match, I'm pretty sure Wynnum feed Brisbane. Uh, ben Farr, the fullback, he got injured at one point. Had really good start of the game. They ended up naming man of the match. He was pretty solid, but um, quite enjoyable. On yeah, the flip side... I didn't watch it. Uh, the Super League Grand Final, I found very hard to watch. It's diabolical. St. Helens, is it three in a row? Three in a row. They won with Holbrook before he left. Yep. Then twice now with Christian Wolf. Yep. 12-10 uh, over Catalan. Two of the ugliest grand finals. Last year was decided on a field goal that missed and bounced yeah, back bounced in the end goal. Post. No, it didn't bounce, even bounce off the post. Oh, yeah, it bounced, bounced in the end goal and um, they went it. down and, and scored. It was a lot, another low-scoring, ugly game and this was a low-scoring, ugly game. And Yeah, no, Christian Wolfs, uh, they're not as flamboyant as they were under Holbrook. They're not Certain as dominant agree. as what they were under Holbrook, but they've just changed their identity. They're more grinding and gritty and Probably not as good a team as what two years ago. I think the whole stand of the Super League obviously has been hurt. I but, think they're probably just as good. But uh, had some key guys for a long period of time now. But Coot, who's now moving on, he's been key for the last couple of years, playing at one. Uh, Roby still playing very very well. Yeah, the- there's a lot of lot of changes in the Super League this year. Like, there's a lot of coaches moving on, a lot of players retiring. It's a little bit of a changing of the guard. So it'll be, it, I think next year particularly now with the impact of COVID. Like, I, the thing, I think what we do not understand here is the impact that COVID and having COVID been so dense in their population, and it's actually impacted teams. It impacts training. Uh, the, the impact that it's actually had on the quality of footy has been significant because, you know, the Super League, I think, you know, you go back to the years when Leeds were very dominant and they'd go over there and they'd get into wars with Melbourne and that's when Melbourne were at the absolute height. Like, I think the level of the Super League back then was um, comparable in, in that I think, you know, the Rhinos would have would have been able to finish, maybe not in the eight, but they could have they could have finished, you know, in that from eighth to twelfth. I'm not even sure. I, I'm, I'm be quite confident in saying that St. Helens will come over here or Catalan will come over here and they finish in the bottom four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think and uh, watching the two that so played, the standards definitely slipped. And going man for man, I think again they'd struggle to beat Tigers Dogs like that sort of level, and that's been blunt. But I think St Helens would. I, I'm not sure. Catalan were 
yeah, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to know. But I still love the game. I love the English game. I, I think we disrespect the English game far too much. And through, through I, I don't understand why. I, I, I just think you just have to accept that the competition is what it is. The level of play over there is what it is. A strong Super League is good for rugby league. A strong Super League um, is good for the NRL. Mm. Look at look at what it's done, you know, to some of the sides that have had English exports come over and play really, really well. I think the NRL really should use it as a a, a method, particularly when they're looking at expansion. They should use it as almost a feeder. Like the the best with another team coming in, it should be twofold in that it's going to reward more of more clubs over here to develop players and hang on to players longer and to coach them up more and it's going to improve the standard of our reserve grade but it should also be that it's going to provide opportunities for good super league players to come and test themselves in you know what is the premier competition it's well, it's I think like this... vice versa like the a-league or a inferior soccer competition to the premier league or to one of those they should be aspiring to go into that league well, I think the opposite thing sort of happened to the point where the handful that are any good do come here now. Whereas in the past, I think they had yeah, a couple... I still couple... think there's a few there now that could but haven't. No, nah, but I'd I look at it compared to before where some thought they didn't have to leave because the competition did have a standard, but it was more, well, it English, it more English players. I think they've let down on that side of things. Yeah, I that's agree. That's not an NRL problem. I think that's an English rugby league I'm problem. not saying it's an NRL problem. No. What, I, what I'm saying is I at think it's... At the time of your peacock, Sinfields, having that... Like they didn't it, need it because they, could, they, mate, they, they slapped Melbourne in the face. They yeah, slapped the Roosters in the face. competition... Beat, did they beat Melbourne? You know, well, I think they built Melbourne. Oh, yeah, in a world I'm just saying, their competition had enough good English players in, say, that top four, yeah. where, mate, it was top-heavy, but there was a good enough crux of English players that guys were going, well, the competition here good, yeah. the standard's good, the money's good, we don't realistically need to move if we don't want to whereas now for a Thompson or players of this ilk or George Williams or a Bateman going back there now and comparing the two would be just hugely vastly different mm. and the opportunity's better the standard's better the money's probably better everything now would probably make it easier for some of those top end players because I think there's few and far between compared to what there once was Yeah, a lot of those guys probably did feel the need to have to leave because of the standard and what the competition was doing over there and it's it's a big move for some people. It's not yeah. easy. Um, I think by nature, it's probably harder for some of the English to come here than it is for Australia. Like I've heard a lot of people saying that it's a big thing in a lot of places um, where they some people haven't even left their hometown mm. before. I think it's less common here. We tend to float around a little bit more. But yeah, I, I think once they get back to developing a bit more in-house and putting a real focus into that and have the English sort of base stronger, that competition will be better. Because when it was pumping there was a lot more English-based players dominating that league, not Australian players. Mm. Whereas this year here, you know, Maloney's here and Coot and a couple of these other guys are here and a lot of, there's a lot more Australians. There seems to be a lot more guys doing And I think probably the biggest thing of all, I know, again, it's hard to base it off this without a few of the NRL English-based players, but the England team they picked for the All-Stars team, which had some NRL players, guys that barely played NRL that they lost to, probably says enough about how English rugby league's going right now. And again, mm, I don't want to right. kick them while it's down, but when I watch that game and see someone like Luke Yates, who I think's only played one or two NRL games, Paulie Paulie, who was you know off the bench for a few, there's a couple of guys there. If that's like the all stars of what went from the NRL, the standard has certainly dropped on both sides of the, of the fence. Mm. So I mm-hmm. want English to be strong. I want the Tonga side of the New Zealand, everything we talked about a few years ago that they'll head towards. I want all of them to be better. But I think it starts with English rugby league doing a better job. 
And like yeah, you said, it's hit, they, it's hit we, them harder. We, yeah, we, it's hit them harder than it's hit the NRL and the Australian game, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so fingers crossed things do turn around. But um, man of the match, Kevin Aguama in his last game over there. He's coming home. I don't know if he's going to play or if he's retiring. Um, but that was his last game in the Super League before he heads back. Uh, in terms of other news, one that we spoke about a few weeks ago, it is now approved the Fogarty deal. They re-signed him, which I found weird to then have him linked to the Raiders, but it's now confirmed. He's moved on from the Titans, a three-year deal with the Raiders. What do you think on both sides? Yeah, well, I think we, we spoke about it in terms of the Titans. They've probably got you know thoughts that um, Sexton will come in and Brimson will have a crack at 5'8". Because young Campbell will play one. Well, what do they do other than that, though? This is the only point we had. Tanner Boyd. He's not re-signed yet. He's not. And they signed Shailen Fuller, who come through with Jaden Campbell, who's young, who's yeah, played so a bit for again, Burnley. Yeah, so again, like, there must be... To let him go, it's bubbling the carpet. Like, I just found it odd, though, that they just extended him for three years. Like, it was literally a couple months ago to then get to this point. So they've, someone's clearly told him after section, I think. I don't think this has been motivated by Fogarty. I think the clubs. I don't know. I, well, it, it, you know, there's a lot of cut. What come out is. Was, let's just wait and see. Mm. It's it's very easy to try and draw conclusions to the who, what, when. Oh, how, I'm not. Why they basically the said that the CEO came out and said, but, "Well, sections are halfback next year," and it's like, "Well, you just signed Fogarty for well, Fogarty for five eight next year." Well, not now, Jaden Campbell, obviously, but that that was the point they're sort of making. But the but the conversation may have been, "We well, you're you're going to train off with Brimson for the six spot." Or you're going to move into a 14 role or whatever it is. You don't know what what's been said. I think you know, they, and Canberra probably said, "Look, come here for three years. You're our seven. I guarantee you the seven round one." Well, I think it was two things at the end. Number one, I think it was basically almost said to him that he probably. I not, think it'd be very good for Jack Whiten. Probably not going to have the jumper, but I think Canberra's in a situation to offer him a little bit more money because the deal he signed with the Titans because he's a little bit older is obviously. I was yeah. saying only 200, 250. Canberra's going to pay 400 or around that mark. For a half, which, you know, really, when you look at some of the halves and what they're on, uh, three years, 26-27, he's a game manager. Exactly what you said. He's not going to stymie what uh, Jack White does, that's for sure. He'll help kick, yeah. control things, and hopefully open it up. But we probably need to see, like we said, more a balance between what Hodgson does, Fogarty kicking and controlling things a little bit and getting Jack back to being able to attack on those long sides and run first, not have to organise and kick so much. So I guess you we'll know, have to whether... wait, so. Holbrook's got his eyes on, um, you know, a Johnny Lomax or a Theo Farges or someone like that from St. Helens because he's obviously got that connection there. They've just won three in a row. Both of those uh, boys, I think, um, I don't think that matters. Yeah, But I, I would think that they'd be, um, if they really want to come and test themselves, he's obviously got that connection. I, I'm just looking and thinking there's more to this to be played out. Well, I think I'll give full credit to Fogarty. I'm not saying he's handled it wrong, but he hasn't come out. He hasn't spoken out. He hasn't complained. All his comments today seem fairly above board and no issue with the Titans at all. And, well, there shouldn't be. We gave um, him, developed him into the player that he is. He's we gave him a chance no one else was going to give him. Moving on with an opportunity uh, to play at Canberra. And, that was, and I thought his back end, back end of the year was unreal. They were talking about also the Titans apparently approached Benji for a swan song, which again, I don't think would have been a bad move. In terms of again, if you're going to let some of that go, but he's obviously now retired, so um, mm. yeah. Whatever else have I got here? The storm punishments in there. So people had different opinions on how that was handled, but the NRL side of things, I can understand people saying, "Well, how come Walsh got a different suspension to them?" Again, it's the NRL. Good luck Good fucking luck. figuring that out. 
the whole thing again. It's a conspiracy. It's not a fucking conspiracy. It's just... It's, it's a conspiracy of stupidity. It's the NRL. Well, good luck figuring out how they fucking come up with the suspensions. Uh, in terms of the monetary side of things, again, it's done off scale of contract. We've heard that before. If you're on a bigger deal, bigger amount of money. In terms of what the club did, um, some people agreed, some people disagreed. I think in particular, the punishment for Munster is the one that I was really interested in because people are saying it's a suspended fine. It's like, it is a suspended fine, but the first thing that goes wrong, if you do put a foot wrong, is huge. And for Munster, it's not just going to be 100000 It'll be termination. He'll be done. Mm. He's got two years to run on a million-dollar contract, $100,000 off your head. When you've had reoccurring issues with alcohol and you are told you'll be going to rehab for a month and you will be tested for drugs, alcohol, etc. for the whole year, I don't think that's a light punishment. I think they've basically put him nearly in prison in, in terms of the way he probably likes to live his life and things like that. And I think probably getting away from Brisbane would probably be a good thing in terms of the fact he's from Brisbane. He's probably had a lot more family and friends and other opportunities, even though they've been in the bubble and the way they're able to live. I think the the bubble sort of of Melbourne and the lifestyle and being ingrained down there is probably a good thing for Cameron Munster. But uh, a lot of people aimed at those few things and said, why is that not on Smith or Lewis? Like Lewis is a 20... 20- eight, 29-year-old bloke who's a school teacher who's probably made the first mistake he's ever made in his life. I'm not trying to compare or judge things to that, but he's a bottom end player. He's fine, his punishment, everything he's doing compared to that. Cheese, up until this point, again, I know he's a bit of a character, but there's no other off-field stuff. But Munster, we know about the World Cup issue a couple of years ago. We've had stories before where he said himself personally he's had nights on the drink or things where Bellamy or the clubs run him over the hot coals. Um, but it's Can obviously like has the game set Munster up for this because I, I look at it and go well last year when they win the comp and he's out on a bender it's all good because they won it's like ah oh, money like ah oh, fuck you play yeah, good that's outside of club time like it's season done that's Bullshit. not their responsibility it's the same thing he's, this is outside of club time as well because if their season's over yeah, well, that's on Cameron Munster Cameron Munster after eight seasons needs to be smarter you think by yeah, now. but what I'm saying is there was no punishment last year for fucking drinking for three or four days. And yeah, they, you don't think they, they were do. doing that last year? They like, were. We said this other week when we please. talked about those players in particular at Walsh. If you don't think it's... I just think it's it's a little bit of a headhunt because they lost. He didn't play well. I thought the, the Melbourne Storm, the whole press conference thing where they were lined up was like they were fucking murderers. It was ridiculous. It was handled terribly. The fact that the CEO just wouldn't directly answer questions and try to tippy-toe around what it is. Like, fuck, it it's is like what drugs. it is. We know what it is. Like, I thought that was just diabolical. It was laughable. I, I don't know. I, the punishments... I think the punishments are too harsh. I, but I... From I the NRL or the club? From both. I, I don't know. How many games they get? Two games. No, only one. Na- how many did Naden get? Two. Well, I think the only other the difference club, here when people said that, Naden did coke before the grand final in season. Yeah. I, I, this is out I don't of season. Care, again, I don't care. Yeah, when, no, who the policy is different. Like, he got tested in yeah. season, outside of yeah. season, because the media again were The hassling. level of stupidity with Naden is higher. Yeah, but the hassle the other day about why didn't you test them, it's like, well, it's in their con- collective bargaining agreement. You can't force yeah. them. And whether you like recreational drugs or, or not, not it's if outside. they, they want to... If they want to take them during that time, That's, during that eight-week break, they've, hmm. they've, they're essentially treated as, uh, from a drug testing perspective, yeah. they're treated like a general per, for their holiday. 
Yeah. Which I don't have a massive issue with. And some have freaked because out. Because the majority of people in society, not the majority no. of people in society, but there's a hell of a lot of people in society that will take recreational cocaine and smoke marijuana, marijuana and do all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's. And that the point being, that's an individual choice. Someone have said, oh, well, next EBA, I'll collect your part. Good luck. Good luck if you think the Players Association, the players, are going to vote to be tested, called on, whenever no in their eight weeks. And nor should they. Where if they're overseas, if they're trapped like you they're can't. They're not Olympic athletes. No, nah, and that's that's just it. It's it's a different, and again, we're not condoning it, but like, it, yes, yeah. When I read that the other day, the media kept going, well, why? Yes, it's like, they're not under, they're not with Melbourne anymore. They're in their off-season. They're done. They're on holidays. That yeah. eight weeks, they're not answering to the Melbourne Storm until obviously the issue of emerges with the video side of things. But in terms of being able to test them, call on, are there any behest and say, we need to do this or someone's going to rock in wherever you are right now, like that's in their bargaining agreement. No, they, they deserve to have that time off. However, if they if they ping when they're tested for something they had during their holidays, then oh, you're in bad trouble. luck. Yeah. Huge trouble. Bad luck. But yeah, I don't understand the difference in punishment in terms of games. I think. I, I just think, I thought it was messy. I don't want to go through each punishment no, and no, try and cut it all up. I didn't think there was any consistency. I just think that how the Warriors handled it as a club, we're not really talking about it now. So it was obviously the mm, right way to... bang. And he, I thought the way the, what Walsh did was far worse out of all four players because he was told to leave, didn't leave, was then found with coat like his was avoidable. If if it was more avoidable than the obviously the video coming out, like the Melbourne one, I think theirs is worse. It's probably just as dumb because they're all older and, and they had someone in the room and they let outsiders in. We all know the rule. And I'm not, again, I'm not condoning phones, it. phones, but phones, phones. How many times media. have we said it? Be smarter. In particular, like I said. Munster's had a few things with the club. Again, we're just yeah, it's right. it's all dumb. It's but move on. It's yeah. a society problem as much as it is a rugby league problem. And yes, they're rugby league players, and yes, they've given the game a bit of a black eye. But if you, you're living under a rock, if you don't think that there's a significant well, amount someone... of people that are that are doing it, whether they're plumbers, tradies, and and oh. then the argument goes to well. They're not earning the same amount of money, and that's why they get slapped with these fines and suspensions. That's well, it. I had someone that works at me the other day. Anyone that gets done with recreational drugs shouldn't play in the NRL. So, well, good luck because you'd knock out probably, I don't know. Yeah, I, I had some um, 30, 40% of the league. I had some people ask me because of obviously knowing some player, like, what percentage do you think of NRL players take recreational drugs? I was like, fuck, I've got no idea. Absolutely no idea. Because I still think, like, as a coach, the culture is that after a win, you have a beer, you have a laugh, you have a feed, you enjoy each other's company. On the odd occasion, you'll have a club function where, again, it's probably a beer and there's there's club reps around. All this recreational stuff happens in the parties that happen after that. Yeah. Or in the, or in the of get-together of team and players... Huh? Yeah, but they then get together after the sheds. Yeah, but I'm or saying... Or they get together, you know, after the presentation or after the club function. Uh, it's not like when, you know, I can remember when... I'm talking like a dinosaur, but it was only yeah. 10, 15 years ago I was playing. Well, if we are at a function, we'd, we'd be with our coaches and our coaching staff and we weren't... Recreational drugs wasn't a big thing. It was alcohol. Yeah, but even outside of that... But that was because we came through a generation of alcohol. The, the guys point. that were ahead of, that, ahead of us was... so common, it's they not would, funny, they, they would drink, and you would see them drinking, and drinking became a part of winning and celebrating, and it's just a part of the culture. 
And like you said, the, the culture's now morphed into well, having that element of recreational drugs. I can and say so society. it slowly started probably around my time. I had nothing to do with it, but you slowly saw well, it. Well, I'll tell you, we had years, some issues when we were coaching the under-19s. 2010, 2011, but after that and since, and even just going out now, even as a 30, like the last couple of years when I've gone to pubs and thought I'm just having a beer, the amount of 40, 50-year-old tradesmen, for fuck's sake, you walk into the bathroom yeah, and you hear blokes on a Friday afternoon and there's only three people in a bathroom. It's dead silent. Yeah. Bloke hasn't got the sniffles. No. It's so common <laughs> now. And I'm not trying to, like, I'm not defending because the football players. I'm just like, fuck, like, is it really? I, d- I don't understand it. The reason I don't understand it. Well, we don't do it. Well, not even that. Like, the cost of it, knowing, again, unfortunately, knowing some people that are interested in it, for what? Whatever you get out of it, it just seems fucking ridiculous to me. Yeah. I'd rather have a couple of beers and just go home. Yeah. I don't understand it. And again, I, but it's, if you think oh, it's I, not. I, I go the other way, but I go a little bit more scientific. I'm like, when I get that schooner, I know what's in it. When I get that powder, who the fuck knows what is it? What yeah. it is. But my that's, whole that's thing where was, like in my said, head, I'm like, I can't For us, it was probably that. a thing, drugs at the time, like drugs were a huge thing with probably more of a stigma around it when we were coming through. Like, oh, wow, like drugs are terrible I think recreation drugs in particular now and you look at like so this generation festival college all these sort of things mm. it's fucking that much more common it's not funny so you got your head under a rock if you don't think in particular probably the last five to six years that I'm yeah it's a water system I can't put a number on it but I'd say I reckon it'd be 30-40% of the NRL yeah, honestly I, I think it's unfair that's having a rough guess because I don't know I think it's a lot more common than what people don't know and again I don't condone it but yeah, we leave that behind. And speaking it's a of personal the storm, choice. it's not about condoning it. No, it's like, well, it is a personal choice. Yeah, but they've just like drinking a beer is. They've confirmed eleven players moving on, so a decent rollover again. Obviously, the big ones we knew: uh, Nico Hines, Fanukin. Uh, we knew that Branko was leaving earlier. The Fox, uh, Penne going to the Warriors, but they had some fringe guys as well. Jax has moved on. Darren Shonning, Smoothie. Um, I had a couple more here. I forgot Max King to the Dogs. Judah Turahai never played a game, but. It's happened again. That success or some of those fringe guys and some of the bigger names. Where's Rolly in their roles? No contractors have yet. They've obviously got Jonah Pezzett coming through. Yep. And they've still got Cooper Johns who's only 22 or so and played a handful of games. So um, in terms of what they're bringing in, Coates, Meany, Josh King, they've got a few in their own system. I think they've got about three or four spots to fill. Mm. Um, but yeah. Love decent, decent rollover. Tigers, we said last time, um, in terms of what they're doing, there's a fair bit going on. We'll talk about players first, but Jimmy the Jet, training trial deal. They've given him an opportunity. I was surprised, uh, and that's not a personal thing. I just think it's got to a point for him where he needs to focus more on his personal life. Um, yeah, it's been know, a lot of stuff. I don't know what's going on in his personal life. I just know that his footy has been underwhelming. Yeah. And a training trial is about right, mm. and he can do with that what he wants. And the other one I disagree with, again, Peachy was shopping himself around, wanting big money, and again, the Tigers have come to the table. No one was willing to pay the demands. He was looking for five, six hundred, four hundred, and no one was up for it. No one was even close. I think Parramatta were interested for about 250 One or two other clubs, Brisbane had a look, saying Bill everyone balked at the price, but Tigers in the end, apparently two years, 400000 a season. Oh. So they've come in... Um, and paid there. And again, I'm confused because Brooks is not leaving, they said. He's the half. Hastings going to play a lock, and now he just bought Peachy, who probably that lock role. So There is no way what that is Jackson point? Hastings is going to play a lock. I get that, but... No way. Well, now that Dewey's injured, surely he has to play in halves. But I just... Cut it when they said at the start, no, no, he's coming as a lock. We're not getting rid of Brooks here, but well, we knew that Who started that room? Who started the conversation that Hastings is going to play a lock? They did. 
and they weren't shopping Brooks, which everyone knew they were shopping Brooks. They tried to get oh, into Canberra like, and a few other places. The guys want a man of steel at six and fullback. But it was just, yeah, it's another one of these ones where you look again and go, well, okay. And then you've got Twile, who they use in that position, who they love. So I'm, like, I'm still trying to figure out what your thought process is. Yeah, they had money to spend. You've just spent some money. Yeah. So um, big changes there, we know. Sheens is now back. Madge ended up getting kept, as we spoke about. There was obviously some conditions to be met. In particular, they've moved on his assistance. I think the one thing that will really be under his bonnet, which I'm waiting to see what happens, they've apparently, on the Hush interviewed Flanagan, it's starting to leak out now. It's not confirmed. They're saying that uh, they're looking at interviewing some others as well to come in and potentially be an assistant coach. So that's going to be something to watch in terms of what the Tigers do. If you're Flanagan, did... Do you go on being a assistant no, coach there? I wouldn't. I reckon Flanagan would get a head job, so I wouldn't be fucking entertaining. <laughs> Half his life. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I've said, what did I say not long ago? Like Arthur, The Arthur thing we'll get to soon has been sorted, thank God. But if I'm Flanagan, I'm, I'm not going to the Tigers. Even if it meant I had an opportunity to potentially take that job, that's not a job I want right now. You've now no, got, but I, you've like now got you'd, Sheen's you'd overseeing go there it. as an assistant and go, and they go like bastards. Yeah. But even now, if you match, you've like, They've got all rid of all your assistants. They've got Sheen's on top of you, who wasn't going to be in control now as like a coaching director and yeah. football GM. They've got Kamali under him. They punted his two assists. Any sort of control he had is almost out the window now. And now they're talking about hiring Flanagan or someone else who's a senior type coach to come in and be an assistant coach. So I think Kalis will be one. Well, he was another one who was brought up today. Who's had because he'll have the Hardigan connection. Roles at the Roosters, the Warriors. He's had some different jobs the last couple of years. I'll be looking at, yeah. Um, but Adam, uh, he's not silly. He'll be trying to get as many good people in there as he can. But the, the issue is, is that how many people can you convince that it's a smart move to walk from the Roosters or any other strong organisation into a place like the Tigers? Mm. Interesting to see how they finish up their squad because they've still got some money to spend and there's obviously and not there's a lot. Like, there's a lot of good people there. I'd love to see that place turn around and go Ooh, good for... We want to see some of those kids get through. A lot of those, yeah, the kids that we've coached and also just there's good people there. They, um, But, yeah, for whatever reason or for the, lots of reasons. This sort of restructure now, the centre of X, all these things, like we said, doesn't mean shit if you've got nothing within the four walls. Mm. So hopefully the moves they've made with Sheens, they've solidified the junior... Coaching structure a little bit more. They've got more people in well, pathways. And... Brett Kamali is an outstanding operator. Mm. Like having worked very closely with him this year at Mounties, he was coming in one day a week for the majority of the preseason and uh, probably up until Easter. We've seen him once, twice a week. He he is um, yeah, extremely sharp, nice fella. Um, yeah, I just I think he would he would do a good job. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think uh, I think. Like I said, the sort of the other bloke, the cricket guy. I, don't, I got no idea. I don't know him. I don't nah, know his background. I don't. Yeah, the Tigers have made that decision, and but they would have been gone through to, a process to do it. So you got to trust it. Again, like I, I don't know if the head coaching situation is going to be stable, and it needs to be. But in terms of some club moves, interesting how this twelve months goes. But they've seemed to have put a lot more effort into, like we said, more stabilising junior setup pathways, coaching performance, and above. But they certainly need to figure out that middle ground, which is your assistants, your head coach, and where they're heading from there. Yeah. But, yeah, in terms of players and development, um, yeah, interesting signing. No Dewey, who was probably their best player this year. Laurie off the leg break. Interesting to see how they start the year next year. Mm. It's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, Manly, in terms of their finishing for the year, we knew 
that uh, Surinam is moving on. They've now confirmed Jack Azuski, who was linked to the Sharks, from what I've heard. Zach Sadler, uh, Tavita Funa, I think, is going to play for the Waratahs. And Moses Suli, we've spoken about before. Funny enough, full circle. Knocked back the Dragons to stay with Manly for less money. Ends up not getting a really an opportunity to play. Has now signed with the Dragons. Yeah. Apparently three years. They spoke anywhere up to half a million dollars. So big bickies in their two centers. They paid Lomax like a five, six-year extension last year, I think, close to 600000 now five no, thanks. or so in Suli so um, you'd want to be hoping that works out and on the flip side for Manly locked in Tafua who didn't play a game this year on a one year extension that'd be absolute peanuts in terms of money in terms of age and what he has so again when you're top heavy which they still are the tap out situation's not resolved Morgan Boyle one year extension which would be worth nothing and they confirmed finally what we've known for months that Ethan Bullimore who left the Broncos is now there on a two year deal yeah. so Someone for them uh, to work with. Dragons just mentioned it solely for three years, close to 500 grand, and they're apparently now looking at Aaron Woods, and today they confirmed Tao Tao Moga. Super. So, some interesting <laughs> veteran, or, you know, people saying that they meet the price requirements, Squad but like fillers. I said, I'm still trying to figure out where they're sort of heading with what they've bought, because they've got a really good bottom end, but if you're just looking to buy on value and, well, this fits like, Griffin Ball, Tatman. In a year or two, like, what are, you, what are you working towards? Like, you want to get rid of Sims, but Woods and that's only got a year or so left, and a few of the guys you sort of bought are heading that sort of way as well. Like, yeah, are you accumulating assets? Yeah, or are we building towards, you know, trying to become a consistent top eight club, or are we just filling in for the time being? Mm. I'm not quite sure. Some of the signings, but interested to see what happens there. The Sharks, interesting one for them. Uh, Tolman looks like he's going to get one more year extension, which should take him to... 300 games, but uh, they're in a tussle with the Warriors again. Last time, Rudolph signed a big deal to go over there, backflipped, wanted to stay. Um, that caused a bit of tension, I think, between the clubs, and now it's coming out that apparently they've signed Luke Metcalf, the promising young half, who didn't really get a lot of game time until the back end of the year. For 23, the Warriors, and they want him now, and the Sharks have apparently given the middle finger saying he's not going next season. So well, should they, if he's not a They're renewing, uh, you know... Relationships after a bit of a testy. Well, it's not a feud. He's on a contract. But time for the last. You signed him for twenty three. He'll be there in twenty three. That's it. And uh, the Warriors on the back of that, like we said, obviously Kane Evans gone after one season there. Yeah, well, good moved move. on. He's a bonehead. Mutually for English Super League opportunities. So there you go. Uh, what else have we got? Bulldogs wrapped up their top thirty. I still think there's more to come. But we've well, Mac- got thirty one now. They've got too many. Well, who's too many? Well, they didn't let anyone go, did they? Well, I don't know. I heard 30 the other day. He said he had two more signings to finish the 30, which well, was... Well, he only had one spot, and they've added two. Burns and uh, I think Max the, King. they're probably assuming that Tui Katoa's going to struggle to play because he's had, had those heart issues. Well, Should I don't be... know. Is he on a development deal or a full-time deal? I don't know. It's part of the top 30. Well, so. I don't know. But I still don't think it's done with Flanagan. There was more than enough mail the other week that they were close with Parramatta about Kotrick but couldn't agree on money Parramatta were interested but were basically saying well you know you've paid him the money you're going to have to chip in a little bit more I think they were looking to offload the whole contract which is not going to happen so um, for the time being they've already finished their squad for next year but those two well yeah the last signings they've filled their squad Mm. Uh, some good news before we uh, finish off with a few big things the Panthers post grand final apparently in three days over a million dollars worth of merchandise sales just shows what happens off uh, the back of wow. success in the last couple of years and obviously having no games down here that's huge for the club 
yep. on the back of that and goodbye to the fans. And a thing that I was really happy about, NRL trials, apparently all of them, I heard. Oh, hallelujah. They're going to be on Fox and KO. So, so they should be. I usually am filthy the first few weeks because I know it's on and fuck all of them get shown or one of them get shown and you're like, come on, man, I'll, I'll watch anything. live stream on an app that you put on your computer and it's uh, on your TV screen from your phone and it's pixelated as fuck. Yeah. And especially now, considering they shit can the 20s and they don't cover the cup competitions well. QRL does a good job. The New South Wales Rugby League fucking hides it away from everyone and tries to Listen, don't get me going say down. that you've don't got to come. Don't get me going down this rabbit hole, please. But... This is your one opportunity to see a lot of your 20s guys or 18s guys, guys that do a preseason actually get to play a game because they've cut you out well, of... If we had decent coverage and not just reruns of every fucking shit show they've got on Fox League, we've got a rugby league channel that shows just fucking reruns of games. Mm. Like I said, I'm, I'm giving a massive rap to the QRL this year. They've got a lot on Nine, KO, their website. They try to cover all the games. Like New South Wales Rugby League, the other Yeah, year. I can get on a website and I can see every game from... New South Wales Cup, Queensland Cup, Ron Massey, Jersey Flag, SG Ball, Harold Matthews. On what? On Huddle. Yeah, well, Huddle's for coaches, but I'm saying... So what of... the point is, is that if it can get on Huddle, it can get on KO, it can get on Fox League. That's the point. Could. But, for Christ's yeah. sake. Uh, I'm happy about that. That's great. Earlier access, get to see some more games. Always can. Feed the fans. Feed, feed the people who want footy. They want to watch footy. They want to know who their next superstar is. Mm. Give them that vision. They're only going to hire some commentators to commentate over the top of it and strike up some deals with these, uh, with New South Wales and QRL. Like, well, QRL did this year what I wish that New South Wales Rugby League did. They put out advertisements for aspiring callers and cut sideline commentators and got them involved on their website, channel line, yeah. all sorts. They're trying to oh, produce yeah. calls, whereas New South Wales Rugby League put a lot of hurdles out for people to even cover the games. It's like, no one goes to the games. And they say, we don't understand why people don't turn up. It's like, you don't do enough. You do nothing. To get people to want to come, let alone listen or watch. Like, people barely know where you're at or where you're playing. Like, do more. Yeah. You should be doing more. Because they should be getting more exposure than what they are. Um, yeah, I think the trial thing is... I know win. some of our... Like, our games at Albury Keach, we had near NRL side. Like, we had Parramatta come out with a stack side. We had Norse come out with a stack side. Sawali was there. And, he, like, you've got, you know, a handful of people there watching it. Yeah, and again, I did cut for a few years there and some of the things that happened with New South Wales Rugby League where you're trying to cover something or even get the right to show something. I think it was Penrith or something at one stage were talking about wanting to show all their games every week on the Penrith website and were basically given a bunch of roadblocks as to why. I'm like, why wouldn't you let them show your product Yeah, it's and have it out there and let all their fans see it and get to watch? I'm like, <laughs> fuck, they don't get to play in front of their NL team or you don't get to see much of it. Like, this is an opportunity to get it out there. It's ridiculous. Like, let it happen. Um, Benji Marshall we said it before retiring after you know a great year and the grand final unfortunate but what a career yeah um, when you come back to think about it he was okay it, this year but he's past it it's good to yeah, I know that, but it's been a huge career considering yeah, like, career. the decade of the Tigers was huge and in particular early on and he knew it in what he said yeah, I don't want to go another year no. and have the conversation be that I should have retired last year perfect time to retire outstanding career but the injuries to fight back um, and pull through. The premiership year was huge. Very unlucky. A couple of prelims that went close. The ugly finish at the Tigers wasn't great. Um, the, the Blues experiment, which then led to a few good years at the Dragons. Thought he had a good time there. Moved on to Brisbane under Wayne, which was that first sort of time we saw him sort of in that role where he's a backup. And he's a very handy backup to have. And um, I think 
Ivan Cleary, whether Tigers fans malign him or not, sort of gave the dream finish for him and Robbie Farrell. Mm. He brought both back and they did a, a job for him for a couple of years there. Um, and then again, when he's cut by a match this off-season, Wayne Bennett gives him another opportunity like he did at Brisbane to finish off and was more than solid in the games that he played this year. Yeah. And the development from the spark plug he was at the start of his career, the running, stepping, the passing, just so loose to how he developed as he went on further and understood, um, you know, as he went along, changes to his game, more ball playing, better kicking, things like that. I think it's uh, it's a hell of a career for 346 games. And his New Zealand career was excellent as well, in particular the, the 2008 World Cup, which we were there for. Yeah. Massive upset, but... I think it's fair to say more his his peak time was my time as a teenager. He certainly changed a generation of players in terms of... Uh, yeah, he had a huge impact. Yeah, in, in New Zealand Rugby League as well. He was huge. So uh, congratulations to him on what has been an absolutely outstanding career. Uh, I think what have I got here for the last couple of bits? Uh, some big pieces of news. So we've got the expansion team, the Brad Arthur... Resigning, so we'll finish probably on those two because they're. Is Brad Arthur resigning big news? I think it is, considering Why? that they were death riding him and no, the media talking about the infighting him. and everything else. I think it's a great result by Parramatta to pull their pants up. Not listen, nothing. Like if they want to pay him. No, I know, but they haven't listened to the outside noise. And yeah, good on him. So he deserves a he deserves a contract extension. I like him. I think he's done a good job. Is the Panthers post grand final? There's been you know a million recycled articles, some about the same stuff, but yeah, I don't think it's ideal. Um, in particular, May's post. Some people are carrying on like, ah, what do you want? Like, I don't want him to do anything drastic, but just a bit more self-awareness. Like, you know. Well, how about a little bit of self-awareness from him? How about That's he comes out and apologises and said, look, it was in, it was the wrong thing to say. There hasn't been that. There's been nothing from the club. There's been nothing from the NRL. Mm, and just... now the story is about some a few guys jumping the border. They want to hammer Cleary about that, but they're not going to... Well, it's not clear not his fault if he's jumping mates. on. They're not. That's my point. They're not yeah. jumping on May for something that was. It's not even subjective. He was convicted in a court hmm. of that's a crime. People are going. What do you want to do? Let's, I don't want him to. They're not. No one's asking people to throw mud on my else. name. You it's, fucking threw mud on your own name. Yeah. And on top of that, like, you know, you won a grand final, and you to me, you've made it about yourself afterwards when you've played. You know. No, I don't get it. Pretty right. minimal role. I didn't get that side of it. The other stuff, you know. People brought up kick out singing Glory Glory when he's half blind. Again, footballs and phones, like it's not yeah. the worst crime of the century. Locked, should have locked all the phones it's, away. It's not smart. And again, people are saying that, you know, this adds more to like the camera situation, the trial celebration, whatever. But similar what we said before. They are who they are. If, you know who they yeah, are. Yeah, they know who they are. And are they won. As long as they back it up, they can. I don't have a problem with them no. celebrating. I have a, oh yeah, I had a problem with the things that seem to be justifications for other things that are a result of winning a grand final, which is mm. fucking ridiculous. Yeah, bullshit. Uh, and the other part was the trophy. A lot of people brought that up. The NRL was apparently talking about that. Yeah, I, look, I didn't think it was a good look to throw it in the pram. Like, if they've nah. joke, broken it, that and even if it was an accident, I doubt they would have broken it deliberately. But and then to sort of yeah, make yeah. light of it, like, I think that's a bit dumb. Well, that they're, they're all inebriated or whatever. Like yeah. the, 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 the issue is, is that they someone's get. filmed it and it's got out. And it's the same thing we talk about with on social people. media. Not the biggest crimes in the world, but not the fucking smartest it's actions. It's so. dumb. Um, and you're giving people an in. Yeah, more ammo to kind of hack at the situation. So those last two things to finish off. Congratulations, Parramatta. Stability. Arthur locked in. All that talk we said about their fucking contract 
committee and fight between him and Adam. Like, it got to a point where it's like, these two either work together or one yeah, goes... I like that they blew a bit. And you stable. Yeah, but not when they're pulling in different directions, mm. completely disagreeing on play. Like, that shit's got to go. And we spoke about yeah, it. But you just want someone that's going to go, yeah. No, yeah, not, no that's yeah, not the point, yeah. but they're almost at complete loggerheads on everything. Like, that's not pulling... Yeah, I don't know. That, that's according to the fucking media. So, Please. in terms of where they've gone that's and the, they the talk around it, he's now locked into 2024. Yeah. And I think yeah. the bigger part that we said, there's some huge names coming off and a lot of people are going to ask who's coaching. So, for them to be able to progress with what they've got coming this year, yeah, people need to know who's in charge of that club moving forward. And Brad Arthur's now been given yeah, that opportunity. Right. And I think, again, like you said, great effort by him at the back end of the year and the turnaround sort of into the finals and the effort they put in against Penrith and the finish up to the year was really good on the back of what was a harsh little run there, which gave that in like we're talking about again for everyone just to rain down hellfire and brimstone when we've, we've said many times before. For a lot of years there, the club let him down and he dragged them through the mud while they were, you know, really fucking he just He dragged them being, out of the mud. Yeah, well, they were being an anchor and he just kept pushing forward, never spoke out, just kept going and Build him into this nice old position. They've had some good junior pathway results. They've got some players coming through. Yeah, he's got to he's got to change things up though. He's, he he's does. Got to, he's got to take him to that next level. Not saying he's without him. accountability, but I think that and he's he's had a long time. It's you know he's moving into that Cleary space now in terms of time coached. Um, and I I think they're similar to Penrith in that you know the expectation now is going to be a grand final, mm. rightfully so. So it'd be interesting to see. Like we said with so many names off this season um, some big decisions to make and they do smart with that salary cap but the last little bit here before we get to the uh, 17th team the Broncos like we said Bullimore out looking for some veteran leaders they confirmed that Ryan James uh, is two years up there now so they've got someone probably a bit Ryan more Ryan James signed for two years at Broncos yeah good luck more for a leadership thing I'm assuming and they've obviously still got some imbalance with their salary cap which is you know their own doing and with contracts they've paid out or things that are still on their salary cap. Did the Broncos not see that they the Canberra were happy for him to play for the Bulldogs? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I was surprised how that Bullimore guy, um, to be honest. I thought I would rather persist, but said they needed some leadership and uh, that's where they've gone for it. And probably not the greatest start of the off-season. Um, that's a minor thing, but the last thing they would have wanted after a positive finish of the year. First, they had Riki and Flegler apparently getting a Barney in Mad Monday and Clear the air, then TC Rabadi, I think, got in trouble driving. And now today it's come out that Adam Reynolds has probably got a shoulder issue and might need surgery on the back of Haas getting injured in the last game of the year. And I think he's had surgery. So mm. similar deal to a lot of people. That's the last thing they need before the preseason. They need everyone back healthy. They don't need any talk around the club and they need everything to go in the right direction. But yeah. the last part here, it's potentially confirmed. The well, Daily Telegraph reporting it. Well, they've gone off while the other media is saying that there's still interviews to come for the Firehawks and the Jets, but they're all but confirming that Redcliffe are going to be confirmed as the 17th team. And yeah, well, and that's what the mail was anyway, wasn't it? As we've said, um, it needs to be done before November 1 because if they're coming in 2023, they need to be straight in with the signings. It's going to be a very interesting market because a lot of clubs have got big names off mm. and they're going to be trying to lock up their own talent, but with a new franchise coming in, in particular for anyone who's got some marquee Queenslanders, uh, the new team, we, we basically know that Wayne Bennett's almost linked to every one of these. Well, gonna, Wayne Bennett's going to be coaching. He's going to be the coach. You have no doubt he's going to use his pull um, and the three blokes that have mainly been touted are Munster, Ponga and Harry Grant. Um, I think the NRL 
things stacked up and what they've done with the commission and the teams and the steps they've had to go through. TV numbers, there's going to be extra revenue, possibly up to 70 to $100 million extra dollars. I think the free-to-air deal after the ratings this year, partly lockdown would help that. The grand final was apparently massive in terms of ratings, so the free-to-air deal, they're looking to hopefully line up with the Fox deal, which goes to 2027, and then the talk is on the back of that. They should bank more money, hopefully with no more COVID interruptions, and be in a position to get an 18th team in by 27, That's, that's the one. That's the one that's going to make so, big money because it's an extra game. That's right. They get 12 extra games, I think it was, they sit out of this, but if they get, obviously, an extra team in, we've got an extra game every round. How do they get 12 extra games out of an extra... Because you got... Will there be a buy? I don't know. That's, yeah, okay, because everyone's going to play Everyone's gonna play that team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it does make Something sense. Something like that, they said. And then, yeah, obviously, extra revenues come on board to satisfy the clubs and some of the key names. Like I said, the three main targets they're all bringing up, three Queenslanders, Munster, Ponga, or Grant. In terms of who's off and available to be spoken to as of November 1, some key names there for Wayne Bennett. And I've got no doubt. We know he's got a fingerprint across the game now. He's been at South Brisbane in the Queensland camp, but we spoke about that man earlier. I think Farnworth is one. Um, you've got some young guys, like Hamiso, who'll be off. Johnson, who we had at Parramatta, Paulo. Joseph Manu's a name. Uh, Milne on the cheek. Like, when you've got to build a whole 30. Uh, he's had stuff to do with Nick Arima, Cody Walker, who which could be really funny that if Seattle potentially let Reynolds go, regardless of how he plays, health or whatever, and then they've put their focus on Cody Walker, if Wayne Bennett was to get that job, coming over the top and off of huge money, they could potentially lose Walker, Reynolds, back-to-back mm. years. Yeah, true. So, you know, I'd have no doubt that he might have a look at that. You've got young Jaden Sullivan, um, you know, some bigger names in your forwards. Paulo, Welch, a couple of Queenslanders, uh, in particular Welch, like someone that they might go for. Nines, if Grant is not available that year, Cheese is off contract. Reed Marnie, who's another Queenslander. Um, you know, yeah, who knows? Let's just see Certainly some that. names out there. So that, that's going to be the real interesting part that I enjoy, something like this new club. It just throws cat amongst the pigeons in terms of recruitment clubs are already looking to secure their own players but you bring a 7th club in yeah. with that uh, it doesn't really matter who's trying to get your players it just adds another cat into the race mm. but uh, again more opportunities for those Daily Telegraph are trying to confirm it the other media are saying you know in particular the Firehawks CEO today was saying they've still got a meeting to come but interesting oh, it nice. uh, seems all but clear and cut that it's going to be the Redcliffe Dolphins. Yeah. Well, they were the favourites from the outset, so... No yeah, surprises. well, off assets and everything else at Stadium and set up. People saying the footprint is wrong. The Ipswich side in particular in that Western Corridor are crying out. I think it was Gary Beltra I heard the other day saying that it's making a huge mistake if they're not looking at that area because the AFL's moved in there into the schools, this, that and the other, and it's been neglected by Brisbane and QRL in general and they need to do a better job. So um, he and a couple of the older Queenslanders in particular are really pushing for that side of things, but I guess the NRL wants most stability. They want something that's going to come in and not going to cost money and hopefully be successful and self-sustainable. So I think if that was going to be the case, if that is such an issue, surely Brisbane, this new team, the QRL and the NRL, should identify that that area is not getting the attention it deserves and be pushing their way back in there. Because mm. the AFL is a genuine fight, much like it was when GWS come here um, and the money that they've put in trying to get goalposts and parks. And we, we see some here in Western Sydney. So I think that that can be still achieved without having to necessarily have the Ipswich team come in. But that's on the NRL and the QRL to do a better job. Yeah. And Brisbane, 
surely if you've got an area like that, you've got so many good players out of, you should be running satellite camps or have someone there a full time. You would think so. To kind of make sense. nurture that area like the AFL is. So there you go. I think that's basically us done, Boxhead. 2021. So talked about um, potentially doing a few off-season chats, but again, we know that football is coming back in a few weeks in terms of coaching and pre-season. So one month today, things get crazy. I had uh, Mick, and I'll shout out to him. I was supposed to on the grand final show, but I forgot. I'm Madge. sorry. Oh, Mick McGuire when he emailed us, we thought fuck Madge's emailed us here. Uh, but he's had a bit fuck, of a fuck. What have I said about Madge? Bit of a rough trot um, up there in hospital, but he was lucky enough to. Did he go to the GF? He, yep, he was sorted in time. We got him back. He went, Mick. So I told you I'd give you a shout out, mate. Hope you're doing better. Glad you made it to the grand final. And he even brought up, you guys talk about the NFL, won't you, a podcast? And he literally sent through the name we said uh, a couple of years ago. And I said, mate, we'd love to, but the whole thing is this crossover between... What was it? Our, it was fourth and inches or something? Right? Uh, fourth and last. Uh, fourth, fourth down or something. I can't remember. Fourth fourth was and inches. Fifth and last, fourth and inches. But he basically said the exact same one. And I said, you know, this time of year... You sort of transition out of this into coaching, pre-season work. You've now got kids and the family. Like Things are probably crazy than what they were a few years ago when we looked at it. So um, that and the crossover between the NRL season, we'd love to do more sport content and more podcasts, but obviously it's uh, not a full-time gig, so it's yeah. hard Someone to... Someone uh, pay me enough words so I don't have to mate, go to school. I'd love to do nothing but sports content. I'd do more than football if we could. Mm. This is definitely my favourite sport of all, but I love sport in general, but... Shout out Mick and yeah, glad you're doing better and you made it to the grand final and shout out to everybody, in particular people that have been on board from the start, people that have come aboard the last couple of years, no matter how long you've been on board, we appreciate your support, we appreciate your feedback um, and this leads me to my corny part that I do every single year. So first of all, big thank you must go to the two sponsors and in particular long term now, uh, Penrith Solar Centre, Jake and the crew there, they've been, I think this is maybe year four, so... Great supporters of the podcast, great people, and again, the product I believe it's an industry I work in. I think it's one of those things long term, much like now you're seeing everyone trying to get electrical cars, renewables, batteries, solar energy. It's been great for you, great for us, great for our family. Um, there is no one better. So, like we said, tackle your rising power bills head on. There's no one better to do it with than the team at Penrith Solar Center. They're passionate about helping you get rid of your electricity bills for good. Find out how they can make you and your family the real winners today. With quality solar solutions, visit www.penrosolar.com.au or call 1820 2930. Jake uh, and Solar, thank you very much. And to Bluebet this year, the charity account, something close to our hearts. For many years, Boxhead, something we tried to do with junior football and coaching with a bit of social justice or a charity thing for the kids at the time to realize, you know, whether it was the children's hospitals or something small, just to try and chuck a little bit of coin somewhere else where it's needed. We'll yep. do a little bit of good. Uh, we were very, very lucky for a while that we had William Hill, which is now a sports bet, I think they rolled into. William Hill became uh, bet easy, and then they became sports bet. Yeah, I so think. for a long yeah. time there, before a lot of government stuff come in around you know, advertising, plugging this out now, we got really great support from them, which unfortunately followed up. We we're very lucky this year to have Bluebet come on board um, and pick up the ball there with the charity account, which is great for us. We get nothing out of it. It's just purely, hopefully, we back some winners. Mm. We get a bit loose at times. I think we finished up right on the $1,000 mark, which is good. And that'll be going to Bears of Hope Boxhead, yep. which is a great charity um, for pregnancy and infant loss. Yep. So one we've done twice, I think, now over the couple of years. We've had the Guide Dogs Association. Yeah, I think it was the Shepherd Centre for the Deaf. Um, but, yeah, massive thank you 
to blue bet. And again, like I said, uh, I know not everyone condones betting, but we don't mind a punt. Do it responsibly. But if you're going to do it, do it with a true blue bookie. Visit the website, www.bluebet.com.au or download the app today. Um, they've helped us donate some money to a great cause. And fingers crossed we can sort something out to get them back on board next year and pick another charity. I've, I've got one in mind. I'm not going to bring it up now. I'll speak to you in the off-season, hopefully, if we get there. But one that's probably close to uh, my heart and a, a friend of mine that I think is a very worthy cause. But it's been great. Uh, anyone that's willing to support that over the time. Um, before I get... To the last one, I say it to you every year, I have to give you the biggest thanks of all because it's now almost a decade. I think we're one year short of a decade. 2013? Yeah, something like 13, 14, 15, 16. Yep, next year will be our 10 years. 10 years. So you've already had to grow up with me and have your ears bleed and listen to me talk plenty of shit, whether it not be football, movie quotes, incessant rambling, everything else, but you were happy enough after uh, all the injuries and we started coaching and I had to come back and I said to you that I just started listening to podcasts and had an idea that maybe we could talk some football and I just really need somebody who's, uh, you know, on board, loves the sport and is willing to go the distance and talk shit and get on board and get real, real in-depth and uh, I can't thank you enough again for the past uh, nine years and also it's one of my favourite times of the week. Like I said, everyone there, this is not something, it's a job for us, it's a love, it's a passion. Uh, he's my brother, he's my best mate. Uh, you know, coach, friend, all these sort of things I look up to around but I would rather, I wouldn't want to speak rugby league or do this with anybody else. And I also love this night that we have once a week because the older you get, like a lot of people out there, you spend less time. When you have kids, you've got more responsibilities and family, but this is a time I get to spend with my yeah, niece and nephew, you, my brother, your wife who's outstanding as well. So not only is it football time, it's family time, it's quality time. That's how that's And uh, like I said, I can't thank you enough for listening to me and put up with me. And uh, Yeah, we have, we have fun. It's good. Last but not least, the most important people. Anyone who's listening right now. To the fiends. And like I said, the fiends. Whether you were here at the start, you might have jumped off board. That's okay. I don't think everyone's been along the whole way. If you've joined in this year, last couple of years, you, like I said, no one has to agree with us. Nothing's gospel. We don't fucking, you know... Hey, what, are you, what was your old one that everyone used to say? I don't preach to be the fucking oracle of rugby league. Not the oracle. I didn't We're write the book of rug, on rugby league. No, and again, um, yes, we've got a background in the game, but that, our opinion's no fucking better than anyone else's. But the one thing we do try to do, and I hope we do do it, is provide quality rugby league talk on all levels, not just, you know, your, your bullshit print media or got this, that, the other. We want to get into the nitty-gritty of the game, hopefully get some stuff across that you don't get um, in TV advertising shows like short blocks chain sort of TV stuff we want to get into the real fucking nitty gritty and I wish again with a lot of the copyright stuff that we could call over the top of games or take some of these videos and edit and cut up some clips or do some whiteboard stuff but with a lot of it it's obviously protected content locked away but most important thing for this show is the fans so everybody out there um, like I said we could go through some particular names whether you're, you're a day one or a long-termer like you, you're Sandy Hunters the world shout out to you and if you're you know people that have only come on board this year and we get inboxes all the time from different people or emails from guys like Mick McGuire or Sean Chan long-term and you know you get your, your nut bags like Johnny Girdler who's changed his name over the years in the group discussion who's just baiting people with fucking Panthers chat like you know anyone whether I think, he's, I think he genuinely believes it nah I'm just saying, it. whether you've been on board for the whole journey, whether you've gone on board, hopefully you stick with us, support us, rate, review us on iTunes, share the podcast, plug it out there, 
because at the end of the day, like I said, we're just two knuckleheads that love our football and it's great that people love the game as much and enjoy listening to the show. And if uh, we didn't genuinely believe that people did enjoy it, we didn't get the messages and the sort of support we did, we wouldn't do it. Um, but it's awesome. That's another year wrapped up. And uh, like we said, things don't really quiet down. They're about to ramp up. Football and coaching is about to come back. Yeah, I think it's four weeks tomorrow for me. So, yeah. Yeah, four weeks tomorrow. 9th of November. Again. Back into it. Thank you, Penrosola. Thank you, bluebet.com.au. Thank you, Boxhead. And most importantly, the fiends. A big thanks to everybody out there. We mm. genuinely appreciate all your listens, the love and support. Without you, there is no fifth and last NRL podcast. For the last time this year, Brock, have you got anything you'd like to say, mate? No, mate. Just stay uh, stay nice to each other. Be kind to each other. Yeah. That's all. And I've said Just it a million times during it's going on, particularly Melbourne's still going through it. I hope everyone's staying safe, doing well physically, mentally. Talk to your friends, talk to your family. If you want to talk footy still in the off-season, feel free to inbox us. I hope everyone is generally, like I said, doing well and staying safe. And uh, I know there's none on, but I'm still going to say it for the last time. Enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where you, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com